Welcome to The Grow Room Diaries, a podcast brought to you from growroom420.com. In The Grow Room Diaries, we interview growers from around the world. We hope you enjoy this episode and check out our other podcasts. And of course, come and join the community at growroom420.com. Right, what is up? Welcome to The Grow Room Diaries with Grow Room 420. Uh, this week, we have got a very special guest um, from Grow With My Fellow Growers, um, Instagram, Jack Greenstalk. I'll let Jack introduce himself and... Uh, let everyone know where to find you, Jack, and, and what, what you're about, mate. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm at Jack Greenstock on Instagram and Cannabuzz. You can also find me at Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter. I host the Growing With My Fellow Growers live show on Sunday on YouTube. It's a production of the Cheap Home Grow podcast. And I live in uh, Southern California, San Diego, Northern San Diego area. And I'm just a home grower, Percy grower, like many of yourselves. Grow for my own medical purposes and uh, happy to be here. Obviously, where you are, it's it's legal, which is something that's a bit different for a lot of our members and a lot of people around the world. So that would be definitely something I'd like to talk to you about. Because when we spoke to Spartan about that, it, it was weird, not weird. It was just a, the way that he looked at things was a little bit different to what I think we perceive it as. So it's a different, definitely a different dynamic over there. And get you get your take on that. But yeah, no, thank you for coming on. And I know GMO's been very excited about um, this one, as have I. And I know a lot of people will be um as GMOs just want to pick your brain so hell yeah I, I just mean even culturally just to start with talking about you grow your own medication just yeah. the wording of that alone says a lot for the distinction between the two places mm. we, we do we're all home growers but it's very hard for us to just say we grow our own medication because it, it, it's still you know um stigmatized almost even through ourselves even if that's what, you, what we're using it for well, where I come from, it's completely illegal or finally just now getting medical rights in Ohio. But when I was there, it was 100% illegal. And when I started growing, if you got caught with one plant or X amount, it was just like heroin or hard drugs. They'd put you in jail for a long, long time. So I completely understand where you're coming from with like the no smell, no tell and uh, no sell type situation. And uh, it's unfortunate a lot of a lot of places in the world are actually like that. And even when I'm in a legal state now, like I am, it took a long time for me to show my face because I work in a non-cannabis related business. I own my own business where I work with children who have special needs and I sort of get them a sort of physical education or uh, activities like they have autism and I'll take them, teach them how to play basketball or go hiking, biking, swimming, play tennis, things like that. But not all the families are cannabis friendly or even know that I use or grow at all. Most of them actually don't know. So um, I wouldn't want to like expose myself to a community that's maybe not looking up upon it so fairly even here in the u.s where it's completely legal uh to use if you're 21 and over so it, that's a really valid point because we do kind of go on about you've got to be a really proactive person before you can tell people you're a stoner like even a grower like to be a grower is next level nobody needs to know that but to say that you're a stoner you've already got to prove that you do a lot more than your average joe for people to kind of accept that it's a, a normal part of life and not a detriment to stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, I like that, man. No, it is. It is, it is, it is a fair, fair play to what you do, Jack. I mean, it sounds like an amazing job to be doing. Um, but it, it is a shame that it was in, overstating legal, where it's legal that you still have to think about that. And that's always the way over here, I think. I mean, it's a lot more accepted, but people, it's... I'd say more the older generation, but it is just a drug. And I remember reading like in the, in the Red Eye magazines and things like that about, um, like you just said there, the prison sentences and things like that over there for, back in the day were 
extreme. I remember reading about someone down south uh, in America that got years for like an eighth of hash and things like that. I mean, it's crazy. The amount of plants I was growing, I would have been in jail for life. And uh, yeah. it's over five years or uh, statute of limitations. So I can talk about it a little bit now, but mm. definitely scary to think about that. I mean, my mentor, my original mentor got killed in his grow room. Security oh, guard wow. killed the guy who killed him and then just had to run off. And that was it for my cultivation times in Ohio. And uh, that really encouraged me to move out to California because uh, it's been legal in California since 1996. So 24 years now. And uh, Dennis Perone, shout out to him, rest in peace. He was a medical patient. And he always kind of said that all use is medical use, even if it's not intended for that. And to kind of put that in perspective for some people, because they're like, oh, that can't be true. That can't be true. Some people are just doing it to get high. It's like, well, some people do yoga just to have fun. Or some people do uh, going for a walk for recreational purposes just to have fun for a little recreation to go outside go for a walk that doesn't mean the walk did not have medical benefits that doesn't mean yoga didn't have medical benefits so even if you're just using it to get high and have fun personally i think that's self-medicating for stress relief and and sleep or anxiety or other issues that people don't want to admit to themselves but even if you're not doing it for any of those reasons you still get the medical benefits of the reduced inflammation and all the other benefits of uh, terpenes and things like that yeah, it's a nice outlook on it, and it's, I think that, I, I agree with that. I mean, a lot of people probably don't realise that they are doing it for different reasons, or just it's the same as having a beer. I mean, over here, obviously, you know, people do drink over here quite a bit, and I mean, having a beer after work to relax is the same thing. What you're saying that just have a chill. At some some people, and they are getting that benefit from it. I mean, it's 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 an amazing amazing plant, and we all know that anyway. But it's, it's just, a, as I say, a shame that even where you are, you would have to try and still sort of hide what you do because there's still stigma attached to it and it shows how far we've got to go still. Um, but you guys are leading the way with that and hopefully we change over here. Although I don't think it will be uh, the same or for the right reasons without the way that our government and system works. But I won't go on one of my political rants this early in the show. But, yeah. Uh, uh, we did kind of touch on it there with your your original mentor, but um, did I, I kind of wanted to start out with how you started growing and what medium and stuff you were were with, and if it was um, more medical that brought you to growing your own in the first place. So I actually uh, my first time was with some friends. I was in seventh grade, about thirteen years old. I played football, and all of them had used it the weekend before, and I'd learned a lot in Dare. We have Dare here. Um, it teaches you all this basically false information about a lot of different drugs. And so I thought that cannabis was a lot more dangerous than it was, but then all my friends tried it and they said it was a really fun time and nothing negative really happened. So the next weekend I had a few buddies over my house and, uh, one of them knew how to roll a joint. He made it out of wax paper, which I know sounds kind of disgusting, but we also had a soda can, like a Coca-Cola that was crushed in, put a little piece of tape over the mouthpiece, popped some holes in there with a thumbtack and took that in the backyard, smoked the joint. It didn't burn the best. That didn't really get us that high, but it was raining. So that was also <laughs> difficulty hiding in the woods behind the house. And um, then we smoked a few of the bowls out of that soda can and went back inside my house. And I was sitting on the couch in my basement. And I just felt like I was like floating away, like drifting away and definitely got high my first time. I know a lot of people don't, but um, from there going from the smoking, I probably only did it like once, maybe a month in seventh grade. And then that went to like every weekend by the time I was in eighth grade. And by ninth grade, it was every single day. And uh, my brother actually was a distributor. And I didn't know that for the first few years, even though he was doing it the whole time. It was just shows you how hush-hush things were in a red state. Like, you know, no smile, no tell, not, uh, no sell. 
he was selling, but he didn't tell anybody about it because he could get in a lot of trouble. And um, so I figured out sort of his supply chain, like who he got it from. Then I talked to that guy and kind of pressed him like where he got it from. And it actually wasn't that long of a supply chain. It was uh, being grown locally. And so my brother sort of talked to the guy he was getting it from and said, hey, you know, my little brother loves the stuff. He goes through like a quarter a day and he's only 14. You know, <laughs> this guy <laughs> loves to use cannabis and appreciates the better stuff. Can you hang around and help you out with like, you know, trimming? So they're like, yeah, sure. We need some extra help. And if he's that young, he won't get any charges because he's underage. You know, they won't give you all the criminal masterminding and all that shit. You just might go to juvie and you might do a little bit of time. But as long as you keep your mouth shut, um, a lot of the people around there actually preferred child labor <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> so I started off as a trimmer. That's a crazy interesting story, I suppose, man, because yeah. a lot of people start off well basically they can't afford their own smoke so they start buying too much to help their mates out but you've gone for like an apprenticeship scheme like yeah, I, I really like that story man that, that's like actually exactly what happened because they saw like i took a lot of passion in the trimming i was also like sneaking into borders which is a bookstore or used to be a bookstore here until they shut down and i would grab a high times magazine and i'd fucking sometimes they're even covered in plastic i'd rip it out of the plastic throw it inside of a paintball magazine because people would look at you if you're 14 walking around with a cannabis magazine in ohio like what the fuck is this kid looking at that for uh so i'd hide it inside of a paintball magazine and just go sit and flip through all the pages and they had a bunch of tips on growing and cultivating and i saw a bunch of pictures of really good looking cannabis and i was like damn like that's what i want to be smoking on and when i got to the grow i was trimming and i'd be like hey you know i read this or that in the magazine about you know maybe pulling off some of these leaves on the bottom of the plant so we started de-leafing and uh they had me basically de-leafing and sweeping the floors uh the method you talked about how i started is actually recirculating uh, DWC. So they had like five gallon buckets that were all sort of attached with some plumbing and a shared reservoir among a, bunk, a bunch of plants all under HPS for flower. And in veg, they were using uh, metal halide. And uh, traditional it, it was grain market. Hey man, they've done it for so long that it worked really well. Like there, there's nothing wrong with those setups because they ran perfect. And like you say, they smashed out top quality and they still will. Like, yeah, they were pulling, like, Sorry, Go it's like 90 pounds a run over uh 50 they're running 50 600 watts getting a little under a pound and a half of light and by the time i left we were doing two pounds per light so 100 pounds per run and they're only flowering for like 50 days it was a uh, early super super early heavy uh yielding afghan kush that was bred and selected for early finish and big yield and it was just stupid like baseball bat colas just boom 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 this is child prodigy shit. Like you're you're like a child prodigy of growing ganja, man. That's that's proper nice incredible style, story. It? Well, it got it got fucked up a little bit because when I was 16, I had my license for about two or three months, and I got pulled over. I had been smoking with my buddy at my house, or actually no, we couldn't smoke at the house. My mom was home, so we went on a little route and uh, smoked in a private neighborhood. And when I was taking him home, I got pulled over for doing uh, 35 and a 25. I was like, accelerating to the 25 zone. That's miles per hour. I know a lot of the UK people are in. Uh, kilometers per hour so it probably sounds super slow no no we're, we're miles per hour oh, okay respect respect cool so not everything's <laughs> metric quite yet but. yeah we're, we're 50 50 talk about light heights i'll give you inches talk about tent size i'll give you centimeters <laughs> hey, it's cool man i was a track and field guy high jumped so i know meters and inches and all that stuff because uh i high jumped like two meters and nine centimeters 2.09 and uh so mm. not not that high but i think that's like six feet nine inches or something like that so <laughs> 
it's a bit hard mark get off the ground jack's a fair play to you <laughs> i'm only like uh one meter 80 something or like six foot oh fair even. play it's <laughs> just like flying gonna, through the air then i was gonna say you'd clear me easy because i'm like yeah 183 or something like that that was like the high jump metric is like if you could jump your own height in high school or in middle school like that was pretty good and then as soon as you start getting higher than that it's like a pretty good accomplishment but there's a lot of taller people and also a lot more athletic people out there i uh enjoyed it and it got me into college and out here in California from Cleveland. I only applied to one school because I got in because I knew my grades were way, way above what I needed to get into the college. And seeing my mentor get killed in a grow house and then hearing like, oh, there's California where it's already legal <laughs> medically. So I was like, I'm gonna leave for better weed, better weather and better laws, things like that. Yeah. Greener pastures, Easy literally. choice, but I had to leave yeah. my family. So I'm a little bit of a cannabis refugee. It's mad, you know, I had no idea it was legal in California that early. I mean, I, I mean, that's long before I heard it was legal. Man. Yeah, Proposition 215, it allowed uh, even up to 99 plants. It was a really gray <laughs> law. They, whoever wrote it, they made it so, super vague. So as long as uh, you followed the rules, it was really hard for them to enforce anything because we had basically something that said you could grow up to 99 plants outside if there was medical need for you and patients. Right now, actually, part of that even still exists in Prop 64 where they recreationally legalized it. They cut out a lot of the medical program, but like somebody like me personally, my doctor recommended me not only the six that everybody can grow or the 12 that's uh, typically mandated for a medical person. Mm. Mine actually says I can grow a garden to the size of my need. So I don't have a plant count. I can grow as many as I possibly want. I just am more limited by the space that I cultivate in. So uh, I really don't sell it to anybody. It's just for my own personal use and I am limited by my living space. So I've got like a three by one uh, foot six 1.67 feet it's a five square feet tent and five foot tall it's not very big it's tucked in a closet and then i've got a few kitchen cabinets that i work with but uh i've done much bigger than that in the past like i mentioned when i was younger and when i moved out to california i did some uh outdoor and greenhouse cultivation with a few buddies that i met here in college i've seen the out outdoor Go on, sorry, Jim. i was just gonna say when you're turning out like near two pounds a big like you can scale that down i suppose quite comfortably and know that you're going to be self it was harder than I, I thought actually growing in a closet was way way harder than growing in a uh, giant ass space because one i had limited budget i was paying for everything before i had a mentor who would be basically say oh you feed this for that reason at this time and do this do that do that and i sort of just i would ask questions to kind of understand why they do it but they didn't give me the full understanding and a lot of it was bro science there was some science that backed it up but doing it myself I went into a tiny space and I gave myself a little too much light. I started off with 315 watt uh, ceramic metal halide and I was over uh, five square feet. And as you all know, I think some of you guys grow at the CMH and it's meant for nine square feet or a meter. <laughs> and I, it was way too much heat, way too much light, but I, I made it work. I just ran enough exhaust and intake and kept the air moving enough and ran low enough plant density or uh, resilient enough plants that I had a few good harvests under that CMH that allowed me to uh, afford a good LED and scale it proper for what I needed in the small space. Well, it's that art, man, that you must have picked up from your early days that meant you could work out how you needed to train your plants to make that CMH work in that space. Um, yeah, but big respect to that because it's hard to run over light. Right? I definitely oh, got some fox tailing in the summertime, especially, but um, yeah. I could pull off some harvest that were very respectable and it got to the point where like the guy who was mentoring me who was showing me how to grow on cocoa and under cmh he's outright told me like you're teaching me stuff now 
and your boat is better than mine and i've been doing this for 40 years so props to you because like it's not about how long you've been doing it it's about the amount of iterations you put in the genetics that you select the amount of passion and love and care that you have for the plant and just the knowledge i think if you have knowledge and you can apply it like when i was like you said as a child i got to recognize all these patterns like oh they're overfeeding right now and this is starting to get yellow or starting to see spots and a lot of the people are like oh no you need to give it more nutrients it's deficient look at this book it has a deficiency and it's like actually it's being locked out and once we figured that out and started dialing the nutrients down a little bit big more we actually improved our yield so there's a, a lot that can be learned by like identifying plant issues and i think that it applies even if you're in synthetic or organic and um yeah i don't know learning young definitely helps uh, yeah man critical window i i think of it as language the plants telling you and when you're young you can learn a new language so quick i suppose so to be able to see plants communicating with them so young, it just must have given you such a, a nice footing to progress from. I'm, I'm green with envy. Right. For me, it was the nose, man. Um, granted, we were just growing an Afghan Kush for like three of the four years that I was there. Um, I got exposed to a lot of other stuff that was because there were other growers around and uh, there's st stuff being imported from Michigan. Michigan had a medical program. They would say it's Cali or whatever, <laughs> but most of the time it was from Michigan. And uh, my brothers went to college. They're four years older than me and two years older than me respectively. And one of them came home with white widow once kind of, that was the first strain name that I had heard with a bud that wasn't like Mexican, Thai, Afghani or whatever, just from a region. And that bud was so fucking white. I got why it was called white widow. The trichome density was so high. It didn't look green. It looked silver and like shiny. And sure enough, when I smoked it, it was next level. And I was like, Oh, this, this is what dank can really be like when I read about it in high times and then it was winning cannabis cups and stuff before and that's why I ended up getting grown out by whoever grew it near me. And it made me realize I should care about the history and the strain name and cultivar or whatever. All that stuff does matter because when I saw one that was actually like named, I was like, oh, maybe the names matter a lot. Then I realized when I came out to California, sometimes the names get bastardized a little bit. Like you go to a dispensary and everyone has Blue Dream, but a lot of people don't actually have the Blue Dream cut. Yeah, no, that's exactly over here. I mean, especially in dispensaries and that, obviously, I'd hope that they would want to keep reputation by doing the right thing. But everyone over here has cheese, and it's never cheese until you grow cheese or you know someone's grown cheese. It's not. But, yeah, this institute, this is what you were saying there about, you know, what I love about this hobby that we have, or someone like yourself, it's obviously more than a hobby. It's your medicine, and it is for all of us, as you said. Well, and I actually just, I got hired, so I'm going to be a master, I hate to say this, master grower. I'd call it a leaf <laughs> cultivator, but yeah. uh, a greenhouse with 22,000 square feet. It's going to be four uh, 50 by 100 oh, greenhouses. I met the owner. He really liked me a lot. I let him smoke some of my product that I've grown personally, and he interviewed like 30 other growers, and he picked me. So I'm going to be going into that process, uh, getting the contract lined up here pretty soon. Yeah. So it will be more than just a personal hobby, you know, yeah. and I've been yeah. doing consulting and, and making some seeds and I'm also writing a few books. So yeah. making it more into no. a uh, part of my it's lifestyle, side income, man. I guess, or lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, for starting from where you started, and some people, I say, when you're on the forum long enough, you see some people have just got that touch with it, you know, just, just read the plant from the off. And it sounds like you did, obviously, you were going in there at that age and you were telling them what you've read and then, and, and then putting it into practice. But it's just, yeah, it, it's mad. It's mad. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very envious, as Jim I said, very envious, man. It kind of leads into a nice uh, segue for the first question we had in the YouTube chat, which was about your growing and potential breeding in the future. 
does the uh, inverted master grower because you know that that's a label you already deserve from the conversation we've had um but we'll, we'll go with the, with whatever title you you prefer um but is there potential for doing your own breeding projects in the new position or is it something you'd like to do is that something you do at home right breeding is always something that older grow well i say more progressed growers seem to progress into when they find the niche of smoke they prefer i actually just made my first cross but uh there was a little mistake you know you live and learn uh, i i personally am breeding and i figure i'm fairly young if you can't tell by the uh video but not super it's the like, beard the beard is like deceptive yeah it's nice it gives me a little bit of a, a gap <laughs> so I, I never actually say it because i think some people are ageist but uh, age aside, I think that I've got some good amount of years left on this planet, and I love the plant so much. Uh, I know I have passion for it, and I know that I've got a much stronger sense of smell than a lot of people. And I don't mean that to sound arrogant, but I, I just smell things. Many people are like, "Really, you smell that?" Like I don't smell it, and then they bust it up or grind it up. Like, oh, now I do, or maybe I taste it. But with that being said, I've grown from seed for the last several years, and I've only got two keeper cuts that were given to me: J1, which is Jack Carrera Skunk Number One, which is like a piney terpenoline, uh, kind of sativa dominant. It's good for focus, uh, uplifting uh, energy, good mood stuff. But I actually just kind of keep it, I call it like a baby mama. I keep it in a one gallon pot of organic soil under very low amount of uh, LED wattage. And I just sort of preserve it because I'm always hunting through different stuff to see if I can find something maybe better for the daytime or something more unique. So I'm always popping maybe 20, 25 seeds at a time. And I whittled that down to the best three females. And I've done that a few different runs, but it might be like five or 10 of one seed variety, five or 10 of another seed variety. And then I just keep the absolute best ones and then compare those to my two keeper cuts. The other one being my nighttime smoke, which is cherry pie, which is a super like gasoline smelling with like, it smells like cherries soaking in a shot glass full of gasoline. And if oh, I smoke like two bowls of that, I'm in bed within a half an hour every time. And I've tried a hundred plus varieties and it's one of maybe only three that can do that for me. I completely feel that. I mean, I've been growing a lot of seed plants and I tell people quite often, never settle for a mother because it's something that you'll find something, you'll settle, and then the next plant is going to be so much better and you'll be disappointed you're running crap. Or you'll, yeah, like the inherited um, keeper cuts always just seem to outperform the stuff that you can do from seeds. But you need a butter to set. Even if it's right? a good keeper cut, you're, you're running somebody else's keeper. And like I've had... I have wedding cake that I'm giving away right now. It's a good cut. I like it. But uh, personally, it's not like the best smoke for me. So I'm not going to run it in my garden. There's a ton of it around here. People run it. It tests really high. It's got good flavor and it yields well with hash, but it's just not my favorite thing. So I'm not going to keep it. And with uh, that said, like when I grow out all these different things, I get to see what I really like. And one of the best things to do in an overpopulated market, there's a bunch of breeders that are trying to do wedding cake reversions or, or crosses of wedding cake and purple punch. I think you should grow a bunch of different everything. See what you like the most, because if you like it, there's a reason that you like it. It's special. And maybe it might just be special to you, but then you get online and they're like, oh, I'm talking about pine with Eagle. And we've got a little group called uh, Pining Dreams, where we're all trying to find the best pine strain. We're sharing cuts and popping a bunch of different packs that might have pine in them. <clears throat> and with that being said, with my uh, going back to the breeding question, I've popped so many different packs now that I have kept like five or 10 seeds back of certain varieties that are F1s that I could either F2 to look for a certain pheno that I liked, or I can look for a cut at the F1 and then keep that to use that for breeding with. Because like 
an example, Humboldt Seeds gave me a Sour 76 when I was testing for them, which is a Cali Sour D, which is Cali O to Sour Diesel, crossed with the 1976 Highland Afghani, which is a super short and squat, high yielding, uh, dense, just like I was talking about that baseball bat kind of cola, but really uh, short and dense. But I found a few different phenos, but the one I really liked was like tangerine smelling, but a lot more potent than tangy. It smelled a lot like tangy, tasted a little bit better, but it was just way more potent. And so I've got five seeds of that left that I'm probably going to F2. And then I'll find something that I like in an F2 that was sort of like that tangerine phenotype. And then I'll use that for breeding within the future. So that's like way, way down the line, but I've got a few other lines that I'm going to be working earlier that are like grape, gasoline stuff. Things there's always, this is the, everyone's got their, their, their baskets on their favorite seed banks or seeds or breeder sites full of all these different things. And that's the beauty of it. We've said it before is, is what I like and what I think, what puts me to sleep at night might not work for GMO, might not work for yourself. And that's the beauty of, of this plant is it's different to everybody. And as you say, I, I've got a couple of nice cuts, but I've started trying to find things. I started doing like, I'm doing a blueberry phenol hunt. Well, that's down now, but um, I want to do that because you do. I think everyone should work with cuts because you can, I think it's like cocoa. We say with cocoa that you can really get to know the goings on of a plant. You can start fixing issues further. You notice it's easy to turn around when you have an issue. And it's the same when you work with a strain, you can really get to know it. But as GMO says, you can sometimes get sidetracked. I did that with a strain for a little while recently. And now I've sort of like, I was so focused on that strain. I've realized I've wasted probably three or four grows, which is for me, I'll do long veg a long time. I could have been doing other things, but it is it, every plant will be different to everyone and affect everyone differently. And that's a beautiful thing about it. So you should definitely, you should say everyone should be hunting for their own keepers. Well, I don't know if it's just me, but I find kind of recently I can see the same cut perform so so differently in another space that it looks like yeah. a completely different phenotype like i'm i'm not sure phenos are drilled into some of these genetics as they used to be or they're not as stable to environmental changes i think it's uh phenotype literally means how it expresses in a certain environment so one phenotype yeah. shouldn't express in two different environments uh the genotype is what is ex ex expressing differently through its phenotype and the grow off is a great example of this because they gave out literally the exact same cut and shout out to the chat earlier. Somebody asked, have I heard of Kevin Jodry? Yes, I have. Kevin Jodry is the guy who got me into uh, esters. And that's why if you go on my page, I've labeled like I was talking about earlier grape. Grape's not a terpene. When you're smelling that artificial grape and like grape pie and purple punch and all those different processes, it's called methyl anthranolate. It's an ester. It's actually what's used in artificial grape candies, Kool-Aid, uh, even certain medicines, but it's also used as like a bird repellent naturally found in Concord grapes, which are not sold at the supermarkets here in the US. We have like the red grapes and the green grapes. We don't sell the purple ones. They're made for wine and jelly and jam. But uh, yeah, Kevin Jodry told me about the esters uh, and some video they're talking about looking for skunk because he figured it wasn't a terpene. It might've been an aldehyde or some alcohol or some other thing. So he made me look into it more. And sure enough, there's a lot more to cannabis than just terpenes, THC. There's a ton of uh, flavonoids, minor things like that. We're only just finding out about most of them now, and you imagine what ten years will be. That's it, over where you are. You know, we, we've had all this, we've said it a hundred times. I've said this, but the lab testing and just the amount of money that can be put into researching now. It's not like before everyone was doing it, and as you say, you couldn't tell the person next door, let alone you know your second cousin, what you were doing. Now everyone can share that information, and I I, I can't wait for the next ten years and what we're going to find out about this plant because. We said with Spartan, you know, plants been bred so long for just THC because that's 
was the only thing that was looked for. And I think that might have damaged a lot of strains or breeding lines over time. But now we, we're going to learn so much more and what, what it's going to bring out and what we're going to, what we're, what in 10 years time, new growers might not be looking at THC. I mean, that sounds mad, but it, they might be looking at something completely different. It's mind boggling where we're going with it. I think we picked it for a reason though. Uh, people like it. And also when you take the THC out, like with hemp, it's actually shown to be one of the things that's more resistant for like powdery mildew. So the plant did it for a reason. Uh, yeah, yeah for survival long before humans were ever even around. And um, I think that we've seen now also breeders out, out here in the US and also over in Israel and even in the UK, you guys have some of those legal producers making the pharmaceutical medication. It's not accessed by you or not for a fair <laughs> price at least, yeah. but um, they've got CBD up super high now with yeah. like the 30 to ones. And they've also got CBG. If you look at Oregon CBD, they have a super high, it's like 10 to 15% CBG cultivar. That's a hemp cultivar but that's another minor cannabinoid. But I do think that THC in particular is very interesting. I just found uh, some data that showed 100% of lab mice normally die when they're infected with a staphylococcus infection that causes ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome. And when they were given THC, just THC, plain old THC, the stuff that you and I all love to smoke, that actually saved 100% of these lab rats from dying to yeah. the ARDS. And the ARDS is actually one of the symptoms uh, from cytokine storms in human bodies that are caused by, I don't want to get us banned or anything from YouTube, but yeah, the, yeah. the virus, the 19, yeah, the yeah. COVID-19. And I'll actually drop the link in the chat so people can actually have yeah, access to the research and information. Yeah. Actually, you guys might have to drop it in the chat because I might get banned if I do by the nightbot or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's always someone swooping in if you drop hey, we'll, the c word well we'll get the link and we'll post it on the forum as well so we can have it, everyone can get on there and have a look at it but yeah it, it's also good i find i like dropping the link on the forum because you, you usually get a little discussion afterwards of these kind of topics that mm. wow you don't get time in a youtube podcast to discuss them so deeply but i find that stuff is it, mind-blowing because it is well if it's pure thc that's doing that you is that does that make it antiseptic or is it antiviral or is that just control like anti-inflammatory um, it's causing anti the, yeah the inflammation that's causing people's lungs to shut down is a inflammation issue and when they're giving that to the mice it's stopping the inflammation and there's also if you go on future cannabis project they had a husband wife research team who has tried 150 different cannabis uh, tinctures and like a hundred of them were beneficial and like 50 of them were or no 50 of them were beneficial and like a hundred were like either neutral or bad so they're taking the top 50 and then pushing those forward to human trial. And it's like a combination. It's like an entourage effect type thing, not just THC, but THC plus. And there's also CBD ones that helped and CBG ones that helped. So really interesting stuff. And uh, I just DM'd, uh, I think, Jamo the link. But um, I'll yeah. post it in the, I'll copy it over so that Kino can see it and post it in the Zoom chat and then drop it over cool. to YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll just about to share it in YouTube. There we go. Um, what you're saying you touched on earlier, which I thought was interesting, is, is the fact that the, it has been producing THC for long before we were here. And it is, from what I remember, I, I used to talk to an American outdoor grower who wasn't in a legal place, and he, he put a lot of research into the fact that it's just a defence mechanism for the plant. The, the, the benefits that we want from it are just almost a defence mechanism, and that's why people will use different things to increase the levels of THC or other bits and bobs in there but it's just a plant with a defense mechanism is what no. the resin that that's my um, rabbit hole at the minute man like, it's mad it's i think mad it's, it's aaron the grower and um 
Zantanol doing yep. a, a, a talk about um, yeah how trichomes have developed. That, that, thank you. I'm no good with them big <laughs> words. Like I'll read them, but I'm not going to bother trying to say them. Right. But yeah, that's, that's going to be yeah, it's going to be mad interesting because we were we were having this talk in chat the other day on the forum that trichome literally means hair, but there's so many variations of trichome that it's like you almost need to redefine what hair means to make trichome make sense. Like because human hairs have follicles and stuff, but trichome just means hair. Like it, it's a really interesting rabbit hole to fall into. And is cannabis like carnivorous? Like my my plant has killed an ant before. It got stuck in the trichome, and the trichome definitely killed it. Like I had to scope it because it was such a small little sugar ant, and thankfully it wasn't like a aphid, uh, husbanding type of plant or anything like that. But this, I had to look at it. My wife's like, "What's that red dot on that leaf?" And a p ant just crawled up the stem, kind of later in flower, and it got caught in the trichome. And I don't know if it was the terpenes or the THC or the combination of everything, but it's like there's like a Venus flytraps like straight up eat bugs but then there's also plants that have like sticky little tendrils that like wrap yeah, yeah. it all up and not that cannabis is doing that for like nutrition reasons but who knows like if it was left there maybe it would have taken some of the nutrition out of that exoskeleton or the chitin and produced some alternative thing that it wouldn't have otherwise hey man like like you were mentioning earlier with the therapy uh, the terps there a lot of them are solvents in their base form so if that's a real rich pinene lemonine strain you're growing maybe you're melting down some of that exoskeleton and it's putting out that uh, warning that it's being invaded. Chucked out a whole, whole load more terps because it's melted the exoskeleton of that one invader. I, I like that stuff. One of the American growers, again, the same one I talked about a minute ago, he used to use, I've mentioned it a few times, I never get the name right, so I'm not going to do it, but basically crushed shellfish um, because that would induce Ch a reaction. Chitazan, Ch I keep getting it wrong. Chitazan, Not a lot of words. It would reduce it was like it was a, a concentrated extract from um shellfish, I think. But it, it basically it would it would make the plant think it was under attack from insects and it would induce a reaction to produce more resin. So it's it's mad that maybe that's what Jim just said, maybe that's what's happened with that ant. It started to break it down. You ended up with a hot spot of uh, THC and resin production on the plant. I think it's like a insect frass does the same thing too. There's a bunch of different yeah. types of insect frass people are using as a input for their soil. And I think that it has that same sort of, uh, gosh, there's a name, systematic acquired response and yeah. systematic acquired resistance. Um, those things can happen when something is present that l literally trigger an effect. Same with like mycorrhizal fungi. When the root makes uh, an inoculation or it establishes that relationship, there has to be a few things that go down that make it happen, but it makes it much more available to take up water and nutrient. So there are certain things that like, if you have it there, it makes a huge difference and, and you see it. I mean, if anybody's used any sort of myco products, not like mycos in particular from extreme gardening, but mycorrhizal, any of them, I think that you'll definitely all agree that it benefits your roots a great deal. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't, I've gone right back to basics of my feed. I mean, cocoa, but I'll always use something along them lines. I mean, I'm just using base nutrients with a, a, a basic PK or a lot in flour. But I mean, through veg, I'm not using nothing except that. But I will always use them sort of products. It's definitely a difference, definitely a difference. And uh, as you say, it's, it's, it's all about... GMO had an interesting form. I think this is, if I'm going down the right lines, about natural PGRs because you're sort of inducing the plant to do things, which in itself is plant growth regulation because the things you're 
introducing to it so that's kind of what i was going to say would you think you can get that kind of systematic response using the inverted commas if it works if from like super cropping in veg would could you get a resistance built to that damage is that kind of what we're doing with wind uh, tolerance and stuff like that i think that's more like i hate to equate plants to humans but it's easy for people that are listening and myself included when you lift weights your muscles tear down and then they build up bigger that's exactly what's happening that's why there's a rest and recovery period and with a plant when you break that stalk on the inside when a a plant's rapidly growing it's going to have a more hollow stalk that's just typically the way that things are the more uh, slower growing plants like the afghanis and the thicker stem stuff it's not going to be as rapid growth so you won't have to super crop those as much but they still benefit because when you make that knuckle I've dissected it afterwards and it's so much stronger. I can almost not break it in half with my hands when I'm like trying to cut it. It's way stronger than any other part of the whole stem. People say it's like a, a nutrient, like super highway at that point. And when you make those knuckles, I do it all the way from the bottom of the plant, all the way up to the top in between bud sites and everything. And I'm not making it completely like kink over to the side, but all this twist and pop and make those little uh, spots. And you can go through and look at the stem every few inches where I popped it. It goes from that hollow spot to that thicker like nutrient highway. And I think that uh, that stress is definitely a positive thing. It's like when you break a bone, I broke my L5 vertebrae <laughs> playing basketball. I dunked on a kid at their uh, homecoming game and he dove into my knees when I was on the rim and I flipped and landed flat on my back and didn't even realize that it was like a technical foul or whatever. Shot my free throws and I sat out the rest of the game because I thought I had like a pulled muscle. Just played the rest of the season before my trainer. It's like, oh, maybe you should get an x-ray because he kept saying, oh, the muscle it's it's fine it's just you have a pulled muscle and then another doctor is like you know sometimes the muscle tightens around an injury to protect it and sure enough i had a fractured l5 vertebrae and a two bulging disc and a herniated disc <laughs> it was really fucked up oh, after a year of physical therapy and a year of a back brace lots of cannabis <laughs> one of the big <laughs> things that got me into cannabis and out of football thankfully because i had a lot of concussions in football but uh, after all those injuries definitely made me appreciate the uh, medical side of cannabis at a pretty young age I lost my train of thought a little bit there where I was going with all that. Hey man, we always do. I like, I, I wanted to bring it back to shout outs to Kevin. Uh, I'm not going to, uh, Kevin Geordie. Is it Geordie? Joe Dree. Even it's Joe J-O-D-R-E-Y. Yeah, but it's pronounced yeah. Joe Dree. I've got it written in front of me, but like I say, I can read stuff, but I can't pronounce it for shit. Um, they're, they're putting out some really good stuff uh, over it. It's the future cannabis project that he puts out a lot of content on. And I mean, I've got maybe six weeks of shows that I've done how to catch up on, but it's all gold. I don't want to miss any of it. And they really go well deep into capturing these flavors that aren't the Terps that we know so well. So, yeah, big shout out to those guys push, pushing the bounds of our understanding because it is definitely future cannabis. Abolished Farms has got me on. He ran a Abolished OG for a while, and a little bit of that uh, profile is fuel. And he said with the burping of that, you have to get it into jars sooner and just make sure you burp it a lot because if you let it dry too long, even if it's the proper temperature and humidity, that ester is going to volatize. So you have to get it in the jar, even like a little bit damp and just burp it. I like to go paper bag after I hang to let it even out a little bit and then get it in the jar. But even then, I'll do a shorter hang dry. But fun fact, I got a listener who sent me a my herbs now which they've had first uh, their own testing twice has showed that they improved their terpenes and thc result 
with that versus hang drying at 60 60 for 14 days then grow eat easy a third party person who's not related to them did their own testing a few different times and uh, a few times they lost terpenes but a few times they gained terpenes it was like they'd either lose terpenes gain thc or gain thc and lose terpenes or whatever but it was always really close and um the third person that i just highly respect is eagle gardens he's been growing for like 18 to 20 uh, years as a caregiver over in michigan and he actually didn't tell any of his patients he has a five patient uh, caregiver load he just dropped it on him and nobody complained actually some people were saying wow the flavor is like a lot better did you do something different um they'd only complimented it nobody was ever like oh this is really dry and like flavorless or like did you use a de dehydrator or something like nobody asked that everybody's just like damn this is really good and so he told him afterwards that hey i actually use this my herbs now machine which a lot of people think it's a food uh dehydrator it's not those run at 100 I'm degrees of that, man. Like, 120 f 120 fahrenheit i don't know what that is in uh celsius i think that's like 40 or 40 plus celsius but the Myers now runs between 70 and 80 Fahrenheit, which is between like 20 and 30 Celsius, much, much lower temperature range. Uh, 30 might even be high because I know it's like roughly times two plus 30 because I know zero Celsius is uh, 32 Fahrenheit. So I just do multiply the number times two and then add 30. It's like zero times zero plus 30 is 30. And uh, that's like roughly freezing. I'm a child of like Google generation. I'll convert stuff straight away. So uh, 120F in Celsius is 48.8, should we say? Oh. Which ain't far off. Ain't, ain't far off. And yeah, like the uh, uh, herbs now is 80 Fahrenheit, which is 26 and a half, which. And that's at the Personally, high I worry when the fan. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for your opinion as well, man. So, and and the people who have, like you have mentioned, who have tested it, because those guys aren't producing mids at all. The one caveat I want to give is Steep Hill Labs, who is one of the first labs, I believe, the first in California to test for terpenes. They, if you just go Steep Hill Terpenes, you can find their page. And it will say what they evaporate at, which is like in the 300. Pinene, for example, is 311 is what it evaporates at. But then it says uh, vapor pressure. And then it'll say like 68 or 75. Like mercine is 68 degrees. Most of them are 75. But the lowest ones, like the esters, also 68 degrees. So if it's 68 degrees in the room, the vapor pressure, for those who don't know, like if you have a water bottle sitting in your room and there's like a little half of it's full of water and it's in the sun, and it starts to build up that steam at the top and you crack the cabin makes like a tss. well that's because the vapor pressure increased because there was more heat and that cap being on there held the pressure in the bottle but once you took the cap off it released the vapor pressure well, with the trichome it's a like waxy fatty lipid covered thing it's not covered by a cap if it's in an open room and there's a little bit of air blowing around if it's above 68 degrees if you're smelling it when you walk through the room it's because it came off of the plant and now it's in your nose so the stuff that stays on the plant is the remaining terpenes and things. It won't all volatilize off, but you do lose a certain amount if you're above 68 degrees. So that's why I'm going to try. I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Uh, probably not, actually, because I got this background shit and I don't know how to turn it off right now. <laughs> but I got my curador over here set at 60 degrees and 60% uh, relative humidity that I keep all of my dried bud, whether it's grown by myself or a buddy. I keep that all in there to preserve the terpenes. It says they've done tests side by side where they had a bud had 1.45% terpenes after a year had 1.41 in the curador 
where the other ones uh, that were kept at room temperature, which is like 70 to 80, or with Bovita and Integra packs, they dropped below 1%. It was like they lost more than half and the bud turned like orangish brown where the one in the properly temperature, humidity controlled. And it also has UV proof glass uh, to block any light from getting in there. So kept in those proper conditions, it stores a lot better, which matters to me because my wife and I, Lady Greenstock, we take our best bud from every harvest and the best bud from any batch we get from a friend. We call it our specimen. And we put that in a glass jar and throw it in the curador now. We used to just keep it in a dark cabinet. But uh, every 420, we go and we smoke that bud and see how it was different than when we had it the first time. I was just looking at the numbers in the 60 in Fahrenheit, it's 15. And I've started drying and curing lower temperatures than what I did before. And it's again, over here we can't test something, but I definitely have noticed an improvement. When I was running that same strain for four or five grows, at these exact numbers you're talking about, to be honest. It's a lot more difficult for me to keep it there with something in an open environment or an outdoor environment. But yeah, I mean, the numbers over here was more like 1820C, which to you would be... Uh, That's under 68, because 20 is yeah, uh, 68 yeah. and 25 is 75. That was more sort of the... points that matter. That was more sort of, the, I think, the accepted sort of range. But I just started going lower and lower, and I started using aircon like, just to, to dry with, like not in the actual tent, but to keep the room down at like 15 degrees Celsius and then... I'd leave the bud out there curing and I'd get it down to, I, I, I found the magic spot for me again, that can't do no testing over here, but was between, I used to go to 65, uh, between 55 and 65, but now I try and get to 58, 60, exactly the numbers that you mentioned. So definitely for, for not that I know anything, but from my personal experience, uh, there's a difference there. Well, it's supported by the data and the science, but also if you think about like some of the most terpy product out there is like the fresh frozen stuff that's mm. immediately taken in and put into a freezer. Yeah. And the things that you're fighting against are one, temperature, two, the yeah. light, because actual sunlight will oxidize things like THC turns to CBN is a transformation. It won't happen unless you really get it super hot or leave it in a ton of sunlight. And uh, number three is air oxidization. Yeah. So the actual oxygen touching the trichomes over time will make it turn into that more amber. So I feel like a dry sift hash. If you just left it out over five, 10 years, whatever, it'll go from like pure white to like a orange, yellow into a ruby red. But then when you crack it open and you look at the inside, it's still that pure white because that resin on the inside was not exposed to the oxygen. Same thing with like a temple ball. You can roll it up, get it like nice and brown, rich and almost black. But over time it congeals and everything and you split it open. If it hasn't been exposed to too much light, there will yeah. still be a decent amount of that rich, nice gold or like white powdery uh, sandy resin oh, i've had that with bubble hash I've, I've done my first bubble hash run uh, same thing i mean the outside but we're doing the bubble hash i find it it would brown off a lot quicker for some reason because it's the wet process but break it open like you say in the middle it was beautiful just as it was the day that i've done it what was speaking that? of bubble i just wanted to show off because i'm sure oh. everyone in the uk is gonna be a little <laughs> jealous we got some yeah. uh, a gram of frenchy cannolis uh bubble Ooh. hash I was Very able nice. to legally purchase at a dispensary out here. I, I don't normally buy stuff from dispensaries, but I was like, hey, Frenchie taught me how to make hash a lot better. I used to make it Jorge Cervantes style, and then I got to Frenchie's technique, and my buddy actually took his uh, seminar and got me really super into uh, temple ball hash because I had one Moroccan temple ball when I was in high school, and it was amazing. But then the next time I had it wasn't until I had moved out to California, and I was uh, on a vacation in San Francisco, 
and we were getting a little kind of tour over near the Golden Gate Bridge and our taxi driver was a Moroccan guy and he rolled up a spliff with some Moroccan hash and goddamn, it was so fucking good and he passed it back to us and I got high as hell, I loved it. But um, I've always been a lot of hash lover over. Uh, over here, you used to get quality hash all the time. I mean, it was, that, no, you used to get, it's much harder to get it now, which doesn't make sense when most people are growing, you know, but I mean, you used to get so much decent hash. I prefer hash. I mean, you're I'm way closer to, to it, way, way closer, just physically closer. I mean, Morocco and, and Spain mm. and those yeah. places that are producing are Afghanistan are all uh, much, yeah. much closer. So it makes a lot of sense. A lot of people over there actually smoke hash before they smoke flour. It's like the same with Canada, weirdly enough. A lot of them smoke hash and not that it's weird or bad, but uh, it's funny, like we it, where I was from in Ohio and a lot of the US smoke flour and like evolve, I guess, or, or step up to hash which is like the more logical. It's like you drink beer and then you start taking shots. Like you, you start on the lower potency and move up to the higher potency. But a lot of people did it the opposite way. And most of them didn't have access to good flour. Um, so they'd mix it with pretty heavy amounts of tobacco and spliffs. I personally prefer all green in my joint and uh, or bong bowl, like I'm about to take a smoke of. What are you all smoking on? And then I'll tell you what I'm smoking. Oh, uh, I got a cocktail at the minute. I put three little taster, two little plants in. So I've got some legendary punch mixed with uh, disco biscuits with some granddaddy perps. It, it, it's pucker. I'm not going to lie. Granddaddy mm. perps. Yeah. I, I, I don't smoke at the moment, Jack. I, I just use oil. But um, I am starting to miss a, a, a little break at the moment as well. So it's, it's I'm actually completely sober on the podcast. And we, I'm forgetting never drinking bumbling by now. But... Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a vape. I've been uh, looking at vapes, and I'm gonna get back on it because I do miss it. I do grow some real flavors, some strains, and I've got some real nice keepers that you know, I just miss so much. That nothing like you, you can't beat the bit of taste in that. So, yeah, um, you're getting back to it. But it's big up to Frenchie as well. While we're still lingering there, I kind of stalked him on social medias, and I remember, he, <laughs> uh, like. Oh, he was a, he, he was doing seminars at Spanibus last year, and I was like, I, I'll, yeah, proper enjoy making hash. Um, the way I smoke through a, a shotty bong doesn't mean I can enjoy it often, but the process of making it I find so relaxing. And the way he explains it just makes it an art form rather than a process. And I kind of understood how he started to understand resin better. So uh, yeah, big shout out to Frenchy because it's it's an art that he, he does, not just a process. I definitely, Sorry, go on. I definitely appreciate his quality and the way that he explains things made it a lot more clear for me to like in wanting to do shorter washes. Like it didn't make sense to me to do a 30 second wash, but once I tried it and I saw how clean the material was, and then one minute, 30 second, and then three minute, and, like gradually build it up and see how the quality changed from wash to wash and having that longer time. I remember GMO when he was for his hash. Thing. It takes a lot to get GMO's brain ticking because GMO's brain ticks anyway. Just some random but brilliant things. But I remember he was sending me pictures of Frenchie's stuff and he was entering the, your hash over there, weren't you? And you were doing all your hash in that GMO. It was cool, man. Oh, God. When, yeah. when I appeared on Frenchie's Instagram feed <laughs> yeah, to yeah, do any little hash it. contest, I, yeah, I was literally giddy for a week. Like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm on Frenchie's feed. Proper fanboy moment. Like, shall I throw knickers at him? All right. that's how i felt when he dm'd me when i like posted some of his hash and he actually listened to the cheap home grow podcast that i did when i just started growing back in the closet like after taking a few years off growing uh, i was doing the cheap home grow with shane i did an episode about growing in a coat closet and then after that i did an episode about how to evolve evaluate the quality of hash 
based on Frenchie's scale. Like he had like, you get like 50 points for melt, like 10 for aroma, 10 for uh, duration that it lasts. Like and he had all these different categories and I go through and break all of them down. And Frenchie, sure enough, I mean, he must have maybe like Google his name. He found it. Him and his wife listened to it. They enjoyed the show. And Frenchie came on the show and did an wow. interview with, with Shane that I wrote all the questions for. I like typed them all up because Shane had not a yeah. not that type of experience <laughs> with Ash, I'll say. I love uh, Shane, but that wasn't yeah. his forte. Shane's a, a brilliant person and he, the platform he's got has incredible content. But he's definitely still infant when it comes to his, his cannabis knowledge for now. And I, I love how infant he is about it because it, it's all starry-eyed when he sees stuff. Like, um, and I, I, I need that, you know, because yeah. like growing with my fellow growers right now, somebody commented on our la- like one I wrote, Back to Basics, and somebody's like, oh, the only comment I had is it, it just didn't feel that basic. And like to us, it, it felt really basic. And then like yeah. if we would have had Shane on, maybe he'd be like, well, what about this? And we'd be like, that's super obvious. But for the people that have just started growing or never grown before that are thinking about it, a lot of this stuff goes straight over their head. So I definitely think it helps to have the uh, perspective like he gives. And I think Frenchie actually came on to a panel too, a Growing With My Fellow Growers panel and talked with all of us. So great it's cool to get to speak with him. And uh, yeah, he's just a great guy, loves hash, loves the community. And he, the thing that for me, I've never been in it for yield. I've always been in it for best quality, best flavor. I just love the different, there's so many different qualities and flavors. Like if I look at my thing right now, I got one Venemoji. It's a Humboldt Seed Company. I used to think that like, oh, Humboldt Seed Organization is cooler because they sponsored me and sent me like 600 bucks worth of free seeds and shout out to them. I, I do love them. They have great stuff too. But Humboldt Seed Company has a Venemoji, which is a OG Kush crossed their Humboldt OG, which they're picking for more fuel and gas smells and flavors. And damn, they knocked it out of the park. They hit it straight on the head. It's like a purple OG, but it smells super gassy and has super... Uh, good flavor and, and strong high but what i'm actually smoking on right now is another uh cut my buddy who's uh, also jack he runs the pineapple upside down cake which is a cut that i said no to two years ago in a dispensary one because i was like snubbing my nose up at rock because i was growing in cocoa i was like eh, i want something a little bit more like organic even though cocoa is not like 100 organic i was using nutrients but uh i would totally have taken it now because i've gotten good cuts and even in Rockwell going into organic, I grow in organic soil. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but <laughs> telling the chat. But the whole point I was going to with that, I'm smoking on this pineapple upside down cake that I passed on two years ago because I thought that name is ridiculous. Like, how are they going to live up to that? I went to a lot of dispensaries and they'd have stuff called like raspberry pie, upside down cake and all that shit. And they'd name it really exotically. And then I'd smoke it and it ended up disappointing me. Like if something said blueberry and it tastes like blueberry, I respected that. If something said strawberry and it tastes like strawberry, I respect that. So I would always go with the more simple old school stuff a lot of the dispensaries because if you went too complicated often you were let down but recently i was gifted uh, that guy who hired me as his master grower has given me a hundred eighths over like the past few months like here's uh two ounces of like different eighths of like the anything from like 50 to 85 dollars per eighth in these little glass jars it's like i want you to evaluate it and tell me what you think about it one of them was pineapple upside down cake and then i was like oh man this is a thing that i passed on i thought would suck cracked it open sure enough hit me right in the nose with like pure pineapple first thing. I was like, oh my God, my mouth watered. Smoked it, tasted like pineapple. Has a little bit of a vanilla undertone, like kind of that cakiness to it. But I was like, holy shit, it lived up to the name. And like a month later, my buddy, Jack, actually had been uh, who I always exchange bud and, and cuts and all this different stuff with. He's a really close friend. 
he had it and he'd just been harvesting. So I got stuff from him and it also had that pineapple vanilla flavor. So I was like, damn, this cut, it's a uh, passed out by Dark Heart Nursery who uh, Humboldt Seed Company works with directly. It lives up to that flavor and it's got a really nice uh, uplifting focused high. So I'm a huge, huge fan of it and a big fan of Nat Pennington and his work at the Humboldt Seed Company. Uh, the Humboldt guys, like both companies are, are big. I'm doing the new from one of them and I'm about to run slightly stupid fruits from the other. And yeah, that's funny. The, uh, the new is with uh, Sherbinsky. That's like a cross with a Girl Scout cookie and something. And uh, that's from Humboldt Seed Organization. And uh, you said stupid fruit. That's a slightly stupid, the band yep. collaboration with the Humboldt Seed Company. And exactly. Talk about the lineages. So, no, I, I just wanted to say that it, both are doing really distinctive stuff of their own. That's well, they both stand the test, if that makes sense. From what I've seen, most, most people definitely rate the, all the Humboldts if you go in company or organization. So it, it's all right to make the mistake because they're both banging. <laughs> I know I found that out later because I thought like I did a lot of research and I found Humboldt Seed Organization. Although I talk a lot of smack about Blue Dream like imitations, their Blue Dream Femme is a good representation in my opinion. If you can't get the cut, their Blue Dream Femme has some phenotypes that smoke like the Santa Cruz Blue Dream, which is really rare. People think that it's everywhere. It's not. Uh, it got hoarded. People started calling it like other Blue Dream from seed companies or, or bag seed of Blue Dream, Blue Dream, but the real cut is like a crazy yielder, really resistant, amazing flavor and great high. A lot of people, one, didn't grow it well if they did get it, and two, didn't have the real thing. So it got a really bad name. But Humboldt Seed Organization has a good femme blue dream. And that was one of the first things that I grew when I got back into growing because one, I knew it was going to be resistant based on all of the things that I'd seen with it outside. I was like, well, if I don't have everything dialed in, it's kind of got a like sativa because it's super silver haze is what they use for Mr. Nice Seed Company. And they crossed that with DJ Shorts Blueberry to basically replicate the Blue Dream as opposed to a lot of people when they feminize, they actually just take the cut, the Santa Cruz Blue Dream and self it S1. And there's actually some uh, issues with that. I can't remember. I just saw it posted, but uh, somebody shared something about that recently and I was like, oh, it makes sense. I think it was uh, Sync Angel on Instagram yeah. made a post yeah. about it. Again, shout out to Sync Angel and Zenthanol. He's always on the ball with these things. I used to say he's our IPM expert, but that dude's just like a cannabis research badass. Like I watch his videos, like that part two of his cannabis evolution. I'm like still working my way through it because it's like 200 references in there. And it's like a two, almost two hour long video. And he's like talking about literally like the evolution, where it came from, how <laughs> this disease has evolved from this specific species of this area. And like, this is how you should fight it because of this. And like, he's really goes deep. So I appreciate that guy. Uh, he's definitely working hard on research, not just for pests, but for everything cannabis related. Hell yeah. Well, that ev ev evolutionary history I find really in interesting because you can almost apply it to your knowledge. If you know how that's adapted, then you can kind of plan for that and how you're running. That's what I try to do. And that's why I appreciate honest breeders where they actually label it what it is. Because if I've, and I have, I've tried probably a thousand plus strains through the dispensaries over the past decade and I write down notes I have a little journal that I'd say like oh it lasted this long it, it had this flavor it had this sort of medical effect for me and then I'd look at the genetic lineage and say well what might be responsible for that and it's like a lot of hazes have that sort of spicier smell like ties and Mexican and things like that and then you start to like tease out what gave you what you liked and then when you're looking to grow or breed you can work with some of those things that you might have a good indication that that's how it worked for you 
So I, I love uh, looking at the lineages and, and knowing how things were coming to be. And uh, I think a lot more people should look into that. Unfortunately, because prohibition, a lot of the history and the lineage, some of it's just bullshit. People just make stuff up yeah. because there was no one really to enforce it and to make it legitimate. So you have to do the research and find the good breeders and the people that, who actually have the cuts and who are actually making good seed. And they've been around for a while. And that doesn't necessarily always mean they're good because like there's some people that have been around and they steal people's stuff and they've just gotten successful off of being good business minded people. Like they know how to package it. They know how to sell it. They know how to make a good website and they're more dedicated than like my buddy, vegan doja, the best breeder I know no one's ever heard of at doja DNA. He has like a few hundred followers maybe. And he has the best gear of anybody I've ever grown above and beyond all the other stuff that we've listed already. No offense to them, but this dude's just spent a decade in his greenhouse, in my opinion, like putting together some of the best genetics ever. And he's just a compassion use kind of guy. And uh, I don't know. It's funny, like because he doesn't market himself and he doesn't want to make money. He, I think only gives away seeds for like maybe donations. if People want to give it. And they usually have to like say like, Oh, here's my story. I have a medical ailment. This isn't that. And he'll be like, this is what's going to help you. Like, oftentimes I think he would just give it away for free, but I tell people like, please support him. Like, cause he uh, lives a very humble life. And I think there's a lot of people out there that, and not to say like all small breeders are amazing. Cause some of them are just chucking pollen. Some people literally buy pollen and throw it on whatever, whatever plant. They don't even keep a mail. They just buy pollen and they're literally chucking it, pollen chucking. <laughs> but there are some people <laughs> that breed deliberately. And I think you could breed with a five pack. Some people are like, Oh, you need to pop hundreds. You need to have a big facility. You need to do this. You need to do that. No. If you love the plant, you smell the ones that you like, you learn to grow the ones that you like, and you take notes on it, and you go back through your last year, two, three, however many, then you're like, I love that one. It's special to me. I want to see how it works with maybe a hype strain, maybe uh, <clears throat> something that you just just got. But make a cross yourself if you haven't ever tried it before. Pop them and grow it out because you might make something special that nobody else has yeah. that really works for you and could go on. Like, look at MedGrower Run. He was not a breeder for a long time. Now, Primal Punch is one of the hottest things in the game. He just got into breeding. He saw his buddies doing it at the uh, Ocean Grown Seeds over there and like saw how they made their cabinet and went through and decided that's what's going to keep his interest in growing because like after a certain amount of years, some people sort of get bored with it. Yeah. Because what you said about the... You said, I keep kind of thinking things to say, but then you, you cover it and what you're saying. It's just like you're thinking what I'm saying. No, absolutely, man. I keep going to ask questions, and you, you're already is, answering them before I get to it. It's mad. But you say about the, the blue dream. Now, the, the, I think, and, and the lineage. Now, it's just saying that what you said there, I, I ended up, there were a couple of strains that I grew, and they both, I, I, I spoke for sleep for a long time, and I ended up looking back through, and it ended up with Black Domino was, was used in both of these. And I still haven't got my hands on original Black Domino seeds. I'm going to find them, and I'm going to do it. But as you say, it's important. I think it's like anything. You have to have a certain passion for it to put that much research into it or to want to look into that much. But the problem that I've, I think is happening now is like you say, because the prohibition around the world and the fact that you know anyone can say this about anything. They can say, I've got this, it come from this and it come from that. They could pick the two biggest strains on the planet, say they crossed it, and then you get the hype strains. That's one of my biggest issues. And I mentioned that a lot of times, like the Gorilla Glue and it come out. Now, that was clone only, but within like a year and a half, there was... I don't know how many crosses that strain and all O versions. And I think you sound about the blue dream. Exactly the same thing. Um, it, it, well, that's because that Josie gave it out. Down. Josie literally gave it away. He mm -hmm. walked around Michigan at Cannabis Cups giving away cuts before it ever got sold and before GG Strains came around and before he got mm -hmm. sued by Gorilla Glue. Uh, 
he literally would hand it out and people would then they don't understand the naming ramifications they're like well i got this cut and it was called gg4 gorilla glue 4 so i'm gonna sell seeds as a gorilla glue 4 well it's like no that cut that cut that he had that he gave you and that cut alone if you give somebody that cut it's gg4 but if you're making seeds with it it's gg4 s1 if you cross it back to itself over and over it's a gg4 bx but you should label it like that and call it like joe schmo's gg4 not uh, <clears throat> but that's a problem. This is jo- jo- Josie Wales GG4, the original, original C GG4, and that's how everyone markets it. All the Canadian and Amsterdam companies. I hate to like point the finger at them. Spain, all those big producers, they just write, "Yeah, we've got it. This is what it is," and uh, we've got it in fem, we've got it in reg, we've got it in auto. So buy it. And we all did it, did them all overnight, so you can get them the day after the the cut was made. So like, that was my problem. So not, I mean, how how are you stress testing strains over a year? period from when it first when it first becomes a hype then it gets the attention to start breeding it but then then these strains that are like have appeared within a year of the, the hype as you just said the hype strain and now being bred with other strains that are hype strains so now you've got strains that have that could not have been stress tested that could not have been put through its paces properly being bred with other strains that have not so where's the lineage gone it, it, it's it, it's madness to me and that's if why i always go back to trusted breeders and, and and, and old, I like you keep, you keep saying old school. And that's my, but that's me all over. Old school, I like my old school growing up. Just gone the D for the first time, but old school growing stuff, old school genetics, old school breeders. It, it, that you know, it's tr- tried and tested because you just it's a bit commercial now. I think would be a good word for it, and I think we're it, losing a lot in that. It's a cloudy market because people can still say they were established in nineteen something, but they don't have to actually prove it. Yeah. Right. But just only, like a lot of them have been, yeah, a lot of them have been yeah. making seeds for like three years, but they can say, "Oh, we've got like thirty years of growing experience." Because Dude, you're not that established dates to... probably their birth date on some of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, like I've been around this long, so that's how long it's been established because it's my brand, man. Like I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah, like when people that... give auto flower times and it's it's the flowering time, but they don't include the veg. They're like, "Oh, it'll be yeah. done in uh, forty-seven days," and it's like, "Okay, well." when they grew it, it was done in 70 or 80 days. So you totally fooled and deceived them because you didn't include the 21 days that it had the veg for before it started flowering. So I think that there's some definitely deceptive things that are happening in the seed selling industry. And that's why I've haven't really told a bunch of people, but I've got 25 testers. I got 20 here in the U S and five internationally, and uh, they're going to be growing out the stuff. And I've already decided that this round hasn't met my standard for a reason that I, I won't discuss with anybody really outside the testing circle. But is that because is that uh, Spartan's growing one? You're like, no, we're not doing it. We can't have Spartan tainting the ranks. <laughs> no, no, I gave it. To, I gave some to him on, on purpose. I gave him Sequence, Eagle. Um, and then I don't know if anybody else. I, I literally, on a few of the, like, way back, maybe a year plus ago, on, like, the Breeders Collective, I was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing a cross with this and maybe using this. And I was like, if you're interested, email me or DM me. So I just wrote them all in, like, a thing in my notes. And then when it came time, I hit everybody up and I was like, hey, can I get your address for seeds? And then most of those people were like, yeah, and sent me their address. Unfortunately, a handful of them, their pages either got deleted or they changed their name. So I couldn't get a hold of them. But this is my first round with it. I'm going to make some changes for the second round, you know, live and learn uh, from your mistakes. I will say this uh, if you're ever going to use more than one male, that I wouldn't recommend uh, it being from a different cultivar. Like if I was going to do more than one male, if I want to run like Sour 76 and do like three males with that and they're all Sour 76 males and do like an open pollination, that makes more sense than having like a Sour 76 male and 
uh, cookie mail or something, you know, Yeah. because uh, it can be hard to separate the pollen and make sure that every single seed in that pollination is what it is. But in this case, both uh, males that were used were extremely good for one reason or another, and their growth characteristics were different enough. So if there was any cross-pollination issues, one, I'm giving away the seeds for free. And two, I'll be able to tell you what papa it came from. And all the mothers are definitely known. They're all velvet punch. I had four plants that I pollinated. And so I could tell you characteristics about each one of the four moms and then both of the father options that it could have been. So a little bit of a mistake, but hey, like I said, you live and learn. And I had a lot of fun with it. And I got a bunch of seeds that all look really nice and the germination has been really good. So uh, I'm excited with them so far. That's the customer service of working closely with your breeder as well. So you can send a couple of pictures and be like, well, which one do you think this is coming out as? What, what should I expect? What am I going to have to do later on? I was looking at your velvet punch earlier, not to change the subject. Just as you said that, I've now got it up again on, on your Instagram pages. If you want to check out Jack, if you haven't already. Um, do you uh, screen share? Can you screen share yours? I think I can do it on my end. If you can, um, yeah, most, I'm, I'm on the phone. Screen at sharing it. is disabled. Oh, is it? Oh. Jim, you've got the buttons, mate. <laughs> but no, I was looking at that, and that is, I do love a purple plant, and I don't think I've seen anything as frosty as that for a little while. So, some beautiful colours on that. Um, am, on, I gonna need, am I going to need instructions on how to how don't to break it, Jim? <laughs> if you uh, just check out at Jack Green stuff, you can see it. I know. Uh, <laughs> There are a few posts down because I got like the herbs now posts. I got a post of the curador, some seeds that Eagle sent me. But then you see that velvet punch. And those are actually seeded buds. People don't believe me. They're like, what the fuck? That's a seeded plant because it's so frosty. I was always told after you seed a bud that it stops producing resin. That's not true at all. Because that doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, if you're producing resin, yeah, exactly. Protecting itself resin. And obviously it's finally got to the plant the point where 90% of plants don't get to because we don't let them, it's not going to stop protecting itself. If anything, I would imagine it would ramp it up. I've had seeded recently when I've done, um, I've had a dehumidifier underneath um, my grow, directly underneath, and it, I've now realised that, that dry hot air has done it, but some of the frostiest bud on the plants was the ones that had the seeds in them right directly above the dehumidifier, so you know, I don't believe If that. you make me host, I think I'll be able to uh, share a screen. Yeah. Perhaps. I hope but, uh, I can do that. There we um, yeah, we'll risk it. Risk it for a biscuit. Go on, take us down, man. See, I'm see what happens. I'm not going to share anything. <laughs> no, we trust you, Jack. I think we'll save our hands and leaving it with GMO. So. Yeah, man. I've got trousers <laughs> on this week. You're all good. <laughs> um, I was going to say, you've touched on two points because I wanted to ask about this herb now. Does it run like a semi-pressurized wow. cabinet? Because you were mentioning va uh, vapor pressure and ev evaporation point. So does the herbs now, is it a semi-sealed unit? Yeah, so it's actually sealed sort of all the way around. It's like a plastic. Um, it does have a pretty good seal on it from what I, I'm showing it right now over here. And I just got the basic unit. It says over a quarter pound in a square foot of space, which my buddy Eagle actually says he can get a decent amount more in there. He has like the eight tray unit and you can actually stack 10 and then like cycle them. But like I said, I'm going to give my honest opinion. I got this thing for free. A listener sent it to me because I've given them advice and helped their garden, help their grow. And uh, I'm going to try it against this uh, curador that I got here, which they don't even make anymore. So again, I'm not selling out. This thing is was a limited edition and they don't even sell it anymore. So, oh, that's a different post. That's not how that worked. I thought if I clicked over at that arrow, it would go to the next 
picture. Here's the curador that I I won on 420. Mm. And so yeah, it keeps my temp in RH at 60 degrees and 60 60%. It's between 58 and 60% relative humidity. So I'm going to cure my Doc Holidays by Subcool, which is a cross of Huckleberry cookies uh, from, gosh, I'm blanking. Oh, no, I know who it is. It's Dynasty Genetics Huckleberry cookies crossed to Aficionado Estates Hellfire OG. And I'm going to do half of that in the Curador and half of that in the Herbs Now. So 60 degrees, 60% RH versus the Herbs Now. And once the herbs now like stem snap, I'm going to jar it and also cure it at 60, 60. So comparing the initial dry in the herbs now versus the uh, hanging it directly in there and also doing a little, how my old method was, was hanging in my tent. But I'll show some of this velvet punch that I made some crosses yeah, with. Yeah, this is what I was looking at earlier. I am jealous of that uh, cure, curing fridge because I can't remember the name of it. When I saw you post that originally, I was straight on Google, like, how do I get one of these things? But yeah, they're, they're just like not available. It's trial and error. It's what Jack's saying, there's no testing both. And I'm already looking at it. I mean, to me, it goes against everything in me to do something like that. Not for putting anything down. It's just the way my brain works and trying to dry it as naturally as possible. But then I'm drying it in a garage inside a tent with filters, fans, and dehumidifiers to try because it doesn't matter. So yeah, I'm going to... Uh, I'm, I'm going to have a look at these things. It's got to be done. If everyone's using them, they're using them for a reason. Well, yeah, the pictures of the uh, the video of the velvet punch is popping up now. Yeah, Just stunning. I loved it, man. It, it literally made me, <clears throat> and I'm, I talked about this on Eagle. I'm not like a religious guy, not that I have anything against it, but uh, I'm more agnostic to it all. But when I'd smell that jar, I would literally let out an involuntary, oh my God god every time <laughs> and uh it's just like one of the beautiful things about cannabis when it's got a nice smell like last night when i busted up some of the cherry pie had that just super cherry gassiness and i was just like oh when i smelled it and it wasn't like i tried to do that it just like comes out of me like a cannabis Tourette's is kind of like what eagle said it's like <laughs> you're just so happy with it it's like you can't contain yourself it's like a yeah. puts an instant smile on your face i like that i, I usually so get important. stoner waffle but <laughs> cannabis Tourette's is better no, I like that one. But this is why it's so important, and we always stress that, you know, the people that normally need the forum. I mean, we get a lot of experienced growers who've got a lot of equipment to do it for a long time, but a lot of people find the places that we, what we do because they want to learn. And you, you see people grow for like, say, four to six months, and then they will rush that final week of drying because they're so excited. They want to smoke it and they want to, but they will rush to dry. They will rush to cure. And that's why it's so important. You know, that, 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 that bud you're going on about there, you know, that made you go, oh my God, if that wasn't dry properly or cure properly then it wouldn't be there it just be it wouldn't be that it wouldn't have the smell and it wouldn't have that oh my god effect to it but it's just we've all done it i think when we first start growing i think we're all guilty of trying to fast dry something or you know it's the excitement but that's smoking too early while it's still wet yeah. it's like yeah, exactly, a bunch yeah. of water and chlorophyll and you're like <clears throat> oh man this shit's good it's so fresh yeah. but it's like you see how it changes over time i actually personally like i said uh i'm going to try these devices and everything but uh, before I had any of them, I would hang dry until either the stem would snap or close. And then I'd put it in a paper bag and then I'd put it in a jar. Paper bag for 24 to 36, maybe 48 hours to even out some of the moisture from the inside to the outside before yeah. going into the jar. I think sometimes too early, you can get yourself some bud rot and mold if you're not careful yeah. with burping a lot. Which I'd, I prefer to burp less. Um, keep those terpenes in there and keep it at the proper RH than have mm -hmm. to burp a whole bunch. But um, it's just, yeah, it's just why I look at it is I like to get it down to where it should be. 
rather than again I've, i mean I'm, it's like the people that's way wet still i know people that are way wet uh, to see what they've got you know and you're going to lose 80 percent. but one of them is one of the admin on the forum he's so excitable about what he's what he's done and what he's got but it's um yeah it's, it's doing it properly and do you know what it is patience and i think patience and experience walk hand in hand with growing and uh, and, and and getting not so i hate to say better or being good at growing but patience and experience almost the same thing with growing because you, you have to let things do it themselves almost you can't rush anything with this plant you do have to so, learn the hard mistakes man you have yeah, to rush dry your first harvest because then you don't rush dry your next like it, as bad as it sounds we can teach people how to get from a to b but sometimes you do need to trip over on the way to really feels, pick up the we point. Do still everyone still does it i, mean, I still mess up regularly um, on those my favorite grows are ones where i know exactly what's gone wrong yeah like i've got how some grows have you had to mess up to get to that that's yeah, the point I, i've currently got bud ugly plants but it's like i know exactly what happened so i'm so comfortable with that i'm happy with yeah. them so, well, and with yeah. the uh smoking it too early i think one like you can learn from others mistakes but it is a lot easier to learn from your own mistake like if yeah. you hear people talk about oh it smells like hay it smells like hay and then you take three months to grow beautiful ass plants that smell amazing and not like hay and then you chop them down and dry them either too fast or the wrong way whatever you did too hot get them in the jars at the wrong time and then they start to smell like hay and ammonia and all this nasty yeah. shit and you're like damn that beautiful plant that i took all this time and love and passion and i tried to like get a little lazy at the end and i ruined it like that actually happens like people weren't just bullshitting me like yeah it can yeah, happen exactly four to six months can be ruined in four days if you did i mean I, i've done it like what you, what you said you do with the paper bags i like to do with large plastic buckets so i like to you know if i do say like a five six day dry um i, I do it on net so i use a bowl trimmer which probably makes a lot of people cringe but i like to again that i do 12 hours in a bucket um before i go into the curing jars to even out the moisture uh, within the bigger lot smaller buds and that way if i've got some smaller buds that are a bit too dry then obviously the bigger buds they re-moisten and i'd rather do that than have bovida packs and things like that but if i've done that just 12 hours too early it's going to set me back two weeks curing or mess it up completely just 12 hours early being at say 68 percent humidity rather than at 62 or 58 it, it can set you back weeks with curing or mess it up completely so it's but you have to learn yourself that I can say that and I can put my guides on the forum or but you have to you have to do it. And it took me years to get to the point where I don't worry about how I'm drying and curing. Years literally to, to get to that point where, as GMO says, I know what's going on or I know when I've got a problem with what I'm doing out there. So but then that's all different in a different environment, different setup, it's gonna completely change unless you've got the kit that you've got. But it, it, I went from indoor to growing in an outbuilding and it, it changed everything that I knew. So it's all, yeah, I'm kind of rant, sorry, but it's... No, it's as all, a home grower, you got to roll with them punches. Like, yeah. You can't, you can't be set up for everything as a home grower, and you need to trip over to work out what your environment is different, if that yeah. makes it, or how your environment is different. There we go. That, that's real, a real sentence. Um, yeah, because uh sad face always hammered me saying you you're not gonna know your setup until you've run it as it is for 12 months you change anything and it's basically a new setup like you've got a whole new bar set and after that 12 months you've got experience in that environment and you kind of can half predict what's coming on and you yeah you don't get there without walking the path 
<laughs> if you and don't say with the the hay thing if you didn't mess it up too badly it can come out in the cure because sometimes that's chlorophyll or other vocs volatile organic compounds that are coming off like if you wet trim for example you're more likely to have hay smell and i i just think that's because of all the chlorophyll that's leaching when you're cutting into that plant gets into the bud so yeah. it'll take a longer time to burp and cure and get to that point where it smells really good where i think if you do a dry trim where you let it dry all the way and then you take the leaf off after chlorophyll is gone in most of the earlier days i think it's like three to five days it's cured out or a good amount of it at least so uh, i definitely think there's ways to get your bud smelling good sooner like with the dry trim for example and like i do think that there's something to actually trying it even if it's a little wet even if it's a little too fresh because i'll take like one bud like at least a bowl worth each day after it's completely dried like dry enough to actually smoke because even if it's a little harsh even if it's not like even if there's chlorophyll or whatever or if the terpenes that are in there are too like caustic at that point i like to know when it's perfect so it's like maybe that seven day dry i'll try it at day seven day 10 day 15 day 20 day 21 yeah, yeah. and then like by a month maybe it's perfect for the one strain but sometimes it's two months that it's at its yeah, ideal yeah. and then at that point i'll unload the rest of the jars and be like all right this is ready for us to use as our medicine now but before i was sort of like figuring out like is it cured enough has the water content got it where i want it is the flavor where i want it because some stuff's better at one month than at two and some stuff's better at like 10 surprisingly do you think that's got to do with the terpenes because when you're talking about terpenes i know that you know a lot about terpenes and i've got i'm now i've done some research on it but i mean i'm not even going to try and dip my toes in what your knowledge of it but it, these different terpenes and 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 the different aspects of different can cannabinoids is a word that does me and i should know it cannabinoids um they're, they're completely different compounds so is that an aspect to that do you think like you, you different types of terpenes as you say will break down or burn off at different temperatures so they just take longer to to come out in themselves with curing them so i think the pro the term profile is the most appropriate because it's not yeah. just like one terpene it's a whole yeah. mix and we talk about like the top 10 that might be tested in, in california they might test 10 15 18 but there are up to 200 plus terpenes found in cannabis and most of them aren't being tested for so what i think is happening is a combination of two things one, I think it's an anaerobic process. When you close that jar, there's no oxygen and it becomes anaerobic. So something's happening to the plant material in that, sort of like a, if you make like a kimchi or some like kombuchas and like anaerobic's different than aerobic than if it's like in an open room where there's air flowing around it, it's gonna retain a different smell. Um, but two, I think that the terpenes can change. Like I personally think because of all the lab tests that I've looked at, that a lot more often the trichome color changing from milky to Amber, especially if it's earlier than you expect, is a terpene oxidizing because terpenes are a lot more likely to change into a later stage terpene or burn off or change color than uh, THC. THC, you have to get super hot and it has to oxidize for a really long time to turn it to CBN. Like some hash, this Frenchy cannoli hash has like less than 1% CBN and that was pressed at hundreds of degrees. So it's really actually difficult to go from THC to CBN unless you get a lot of sunlight and oxidization and heat. Yeah. So I think more often than not, the terpenes are changing and, and that profile will shift. So maybe it's pinene dominant, but all those little things underneath that are like in that jar at day seven might be 2% of this or 0.2 or 0.1 or 0.3. Those levels are going up and down. And I've seen it like literally where, um, shout out to Lost Leaf, MI, he has a video on YouTube where he did 
like the 48 hour darkness before chop versus no darkness before chop versus 24 versus 12 and he looked at all the different terpene levels and like one of them like it went down and then it went back up i was like whoa what the fuck happened there and like you looked at certain levels of certain things like there was one that like had a pining level that was like at a certain point at the zero hours but then it it went from lower to higher so like one of the terpenes changed into another terpene i presume so there's a lot of weird uh, chemistry going on during that process and that's why yeah. i think curing is really an art and i think those should be some of the highest paid people in the legal profession because yeah. it's not just 60 60 for 40, 14 days not exactly. like, there are so many different strains and they all have different chemovars or chemo, like chemical profiles chemical varieties and that makes them different to each person and how you cure it for your preference might be different than how somebody else cures it for their preference even if you got the same batch of plant from one grower and they told you hey cure this for me and then there's like a contest who, who could make the best bud out of that cure from the same batch um, i think that'd be an interesting thing to do because there's a lot of factors that go into the cure like so many more than we could even probably discuss yeah and, and as you said, as I said earlier you know just as you just touched on someone's cure might be better for them but not for someone else that's the, that's that's the beauty of it is there's no exact science to what we do and it's it's basically preference or personal preference a lot of it which is well, what makes it so interesting. This uh, I've got a, a captain's cake, which I run quite often, and I like to dry that past the point people would usually dry weed. But as soon as you try and grind it, it's such a resinous bud that it needs the the plant material to be that arid for you to be able to crush it, if that makes sense. Like, it works better at a, at a lower, like, dry... Uh, at a more, yeah, it works better drier because it's so resinous where other buds they want that they, they don't need to crunch so much so i can completely agree i'm just i don't really cure by numbers it's much more i i kind of feel my buds to how i want them to be when i'm using them and then i'll just like seal it off and hope for the best that consistency is a huge huge factor and i think that's probably one of the best ways as a home grower because we don't want to pay for the meters and most of the meters out there actually aren't very good like those moisture meters i've seen people use them at commercial facilities but the best people are in there using their finger and feeling the bud how spongy and, and crumbly and getting into that perfect texture that a connoisseur would want to smoke it it's not that everybody can know or appreciate that but even the entry-level person if they get a good cured bud they're like oh well that was really good they might not know why but um then the connoisseurs are like damn they actually cured that really well and it's still sticky it almost feels wet but it's not wet at all it's nice and dry but it's got that really really sticky tackiness to it with that said i'm gonna go and refill my water bottle and i'll be back in just a minute and hey, no worries we'll just what? uh big you up while you're gone. chat yeah. right. shout out to <laughs> alky minster and k bag mafu martin uh yeah shout out to bob hall i'm gonna be back in just a minute hey man get oh, hydrated k bag's actually behaving himself today Almost, almost. He, he's po he's poking the bear, asking, "Is that science?" I know, right. yeah. I, just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with me, he hasn't gone at me today, so I, I got to admit, I, I keep getting starry eyed <laughs> and just kind of sitting back and ab absorbing what Jack's got to put out. Right. Dude's a fountain of knowledge. I really, uh, yeah, it's another level on it. But it's, just, yeah. it's being legal over there, and then obviously being able to it's like with Spartan, being able to work in the industry and know people that work in the industry. We just know each other. You know that, that that's the difference between us uk so it's um yeah it's mad. it's mad and if anyone in chat does have any questions they want to uh shout out feel free to tag either um grow room 420 or i think jack's watching the chat as well occasionally 
um, we're watching along. So we're yeah, it, it's the it's the chat and the listeners that make these shows worthwhile. And I'm sure Jack's going to mention that at the end. But without people listening, it's like Stone is just shooting shit in it. It's, 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 it's a stoner's chat and gives people something to do and listen to. It gives us something to do. Yeah, okay, look, he's in there. He's going to kick off now. It gives people something to do with uh, it, no, just especially during the current situation. That was why we started. We, we've always planned the podcast. That's why we haven't really massively pushed things because it was always planned. But with lockdown, it gave us the opportunity to try and have something to do ourselves and give people something to listen to. And then we're very lucky to have people like Jack. Uh, while we're here are there any competitions you wanted to shout out or sponsors that need some coverage we've got a lot of stuff coming in again i mean every time i think we can't be given more from generous companies we've got raw queen seed stockers chiba dutch passion mary's all sending more gear in um raw queen i'm really looking forward to that one because they said it's a bigger box than normal and we all know what their boxes are like so but yeah, just to grow outs. I want everyone to get involved in the grow outs. We're giving away the tents and the lights. It's basically almost a mini setup. And we've got some GQ80s, GQ100s and GQ120s that are going to start appearing along what? with invisible sunlights to match. I, so, I took a moment earlier and I realised these grow outs, people literally need to supply medium and their own lights. Like, you, you got the seeds. <laughs> uh, you're pretty much being set up. Like, if you win, then you've got a grow a, a starting tent like you're away yeah like, it's decent kit it's yeah. like sorry you know we you, you're we've, an we've, enabler man that's what that's the problem no we are like, GMO. we are <laughs> we'll we do this mate we'll work I'm, I'm on so off to make it work dexter's animal cookies yeah, i i was gawking at his pictures earlier and i'm very excited to run he's that, got some purples going on here as well well so. to be fair it we got three grow-offs that you can do funded by well, Dex, Dexter's and the Grower's Choice Autoflower. Mm. You can even throw one of them autoflowers into the pint challenge. And yeah, it's it's crazy at the minute, but it's going to be some interesting plants going on. Yeah, but that's, by the way, that's still open. I mean, the Grower's Choice, obviously we have to have a deadline on the on the grower, but if anyone wants into that, just message me, they can get into it. The, the seeds are given to us to give away. So that, that even if we have to have the cutoff later and you're at week six, we can that that can still be entered by anyone that wants to enter it because we we they give us what six hundred autos and in ten strains so there's loads there. <laughs> to be given so out, you're in it. So yeah, we're enabling people. Is <laughs> horrible. That shouldn't be such a dark term. I know it, it does sound bad, doesn't it? This everybody is... tap, come and join a loving forum who's going to support you from putting your seed empowering. In. You're empowering <gasps> the people. There we enabling go. Enabling makes it sound like a, some sort of like a, a drug. Abuse. Yeah, no, no, this is it. You said that. Yeah, like, you're giving oh, them no. money to support them, even though they shouldn't be getting it because they're going to go use it on some harmful thing. Cannabis is, like, is, is a great medicine for a lot of different ailments, and pharmaceutical companies have lied to a lot of people for a long time about their own medications and the safety of them. And I think people should have the right to access it, whether they're in a red area or a legal area, and growing their own, even if they're in a legal spot, is oftentimes the best way to go not everybody can do it i understand that 100 percent. but a lot more people can than they realize and it's easier now than ever because so much support online like guys like yourselves who are giving away gear and encouraging people to get growing empowering people to grow their own by giving them the seed it all starts from a seed whether it's a clone or not i mean somebody bought the seed sometime it might hey, be man. really old the, the whole idea yeah. comes from a seed like all of a sudden it bursts into your mind you, you can grow a plant and that 
they want to grow. Like, weed's such a terrible name for it, but it's fitting because it really wants to grow. Like, put the seed in and it's off. <laughs> Itchweed wants to grow. Good weed. Takes yeah. love and passion, you know? Uh, anybody who's actually grown the plant, I never hear like say that like a, at a serious point. Like, oh, it just grows itself. I just put it in the pot and just, no, it's, it's super easy. It's like, no, we all know. We're putting time and love and we're researching the nutrients. We're listening to the podcast. We're trying to get the most efficient, lowest cost per gram for the best quality. And uh, whether you're doing that with salts or bottled nutrients or organic inputs, soils, things like that, aquaponic, hydroponic, whatever you want to do, this plant is amazing. Don't let the outside communities or even within our communities divide us. You know, I think it should all be about coming together and spreading that love, sharing that love, share your cuts because at some point if you get sick or if you go on vacation and they die, it's nice to be able to get it back from a friend and sure they might give it out even if you tell them not to, but don't (laughs) tell them not to give it out. Fucking pass it. Uh, Everybody, I know some people have to pay their rent by selling this stuff and they might be worried if they give it to somebody else, they're going to grow it and then there's going to be lower price point in the market or whatever. But more often than not, it helps you than it hurts you. That karma comes around so strong. I've seen that this community has supported me a lot because I just freely gave advice to a bunch of people. And uh, when I end up finishing my book, I'm sure a lot of those people are going to end up picking it up in future books and audio books that I'm going to be releasing. I know I've already got a target audience because people are begging me for it. They're like, man, you got to do more podcasts. You got to do uh, put out more information. So I want to do it in a more concrete way. And uh, something that people can have, like paperback, little on their coffee table. The first one's called 50 Strains of Green. And uh, put a good amount of pages in. And Did the missus help you name that? She didn't, actually. <laughs> I am oh. totally copying off the 50 Shades Grey. I've never read it, but it was a big seller. And I think that like cannabis content is underproduced. Yeah. And I do have a lot of knowledge. So I Hell might yeah. as well, like Subcool inspired me a lot. I was one of his testers. Uh, he has a lot of negativity around him, and I won't get into that, but. He was always really good to me and I looked into the, all the drama and most of it was false and rumors. So what I will say is uh, he wrote the book, the big book of Dank volume two or whatever, where he showed a bunch of just really high quality pictures, said like the flowering times, smell and effect. And I love that kind of content. So yeah. 50 strains of green is going to be the first edition. Then I'm going to have like 50 strains greener and then 50 uh, strains of purple and 50 strains darker. So like there's a four book series already. And like, I saw, thought like maybe that's not going to be enough, but like I'm going to do a good intro, uh, a full page of not like information about the strain, flowering time, effect, uh, the cannabinoids or like minor, uh, the chemical profile that makes it special. And then like the story behind it, at least as far as like when I've experienced it, where I used it, why it's special to not just me, but a lot of other people. And each uh, one of the strains will have both text on like one side and then good amount of photos on the other side so you're going to get at least 100 pages per book plus a intro and kind of conclusion and the conclusions are going to be like shouting out a lot of the breeders that were highlighted and uh telling you if you want to where to get those seeds from from the ones that are available and things like that so i'm really looking forward to putting that out and it's been a really enjoyable process and i'm not afraid to like say the (laughs) names of the titles of the books maybe somebody will undercut me and try and write it faster and put it out but i really just like I'm so confident that even if they do, it's not going to be the same 50 that I'd pick and they don't have the same following that I do. So like, yeah. they're not selling to the same market, even if they try to. So I, uh, I really look forward to being able to produce that content. It should be ready by, uh, I'd say like Christmas time, holiday season this year. You're, you're a busy man. I, I was saying the keynote before the show, 
that you've got one of the most soothing voices of any podcast I listen to. So them audiobooks, you're going to have to literally do all the <laughs> recording yourself, man. I... That's the plan, man. I got the mic right here. People love my voice. And I, you're not the first person who's actually said that. Like, I was a little bit like weirded out by it at first. But like literally dozens, maybe 50 people at this point have said, you know what? You've got a really soothing voice. So I actually thought about doing like a meditation app because I love yoga and meditation. And the two big ones like Headspace and uh, Calm sold for crazy, crazy, crazy amounts of money. And I know a lot about meditation. So I was like, hmm, maybe this would be a market that I could get into. Cross I'm really in it for money, Dude, honestly. We're going to have to and talk so much land. more. Like, I, I've, you, Spartan, like, I, I've got massive respect for all the panelists of the growing with my fellow growers. Like, all of them really know their shit inside out. But, yeah, there, there's a couple of panel, panelists in particular I feel are kind of spirit animals for me. Like, um, yeah, I'm very in tune with you, dude. I get, uh, yeah, I like that vibe. You, you said I, about the book. Sorry, go on, Jack. No, you go ahead. I was just saying when you said about the, your your book that you've had for ten years, there's a thousand strains of just your thoughts on that strain. I, I've got a book, a really old book, and I said to Jim about it a couple of times, and it happened to come out in a year. It was just going through popular strains at the time. It was a picture, as you said, one side a picture, and it was the other side a description of the strain, the breeder. But it just happened to be the year of like ice, um, black domino, lavender, like that when these strains were popular. And I'm an old school lover. So, but when you said that, I thought that's a book in itself. The man's got 10 years of thousands of a thousand strains of just his thoughts on each one as he's smoking them. You can't buy that. Do you know what I mean? That, 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 that's, that's gold. That, that's the reader ratings, man, alone. Yeah. But because that's a book I mean, in itself, man. Yeah, but for forum members, that's a massive, massive discussion. Like, what breeders do you actually go for? Because there's so many big names who spend so much money becoming a big name, but don't actually spend money making good seeds. So, to for somebody to put the time and effort into giving that information back to the grow community, like, full respect, man. I will say a lot of them are from a few handful of breeders that I've either grown or have buddies who grow or grew in the Southern California area because that's where I was exposed. But a lot of people are really into California. California's name, not just Humboldt, but like all of California sort of sells in the international market. And I hate to look at it like that, but like I have lived here for a long time and I've used a lot of really, really, really high quality product. And that's why I'm such a snob because like I told you, the guy who's hiring me as his master grower, he gave me a hundred eighths and they're all 50 to 85 bucks before tax. And that's a lot of money. I got them for free. And he offered me them again for any, any which one. And I only said yes to five out of the hundred or six actually. And that tells you just like, I don't know, I've got really high quality standards and not to like put myself above anybody else, but a lot of people would just say yes to anything. And there's nothing wrong with that because if it's not highly available where you're at, I understand that. When I was in Ohio and it was a red state, I'd literally pay 50 for an eighth or 60 for an eighth if it was good quality when I was in high school. And it's like, it was not worth what I was paying for it. I know that. And then as soon as I got into the growing side of things, I realized how little they were producing it for. And uh, thankfully my brother was a distributor. So I got it for a way better price and was able to afford my habit before I even got into growing. But with that said, like, I don't know. I, I think um, I'm really looking forward to producing this kind of content because although I have a thousand, um, I like the concept of doing like the 50 strains of yeah, green. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of stuff's purple now. And that's why I'm doing the 50 strains of green first. And I write a little bit about that in the foreword. But um, it's cool to like show off stuff 
because a lot of people think, oh, all cannabis is the same. If they haven't been able to come to a market where it's been legal for a long time and we have a ton of variety and you can say like, this one's way different than that one. And so if I can show 50 different ones, maybe there's going to be some that are related and close to each other in the smells and effects and things like that. But 50 different unique varieties that all finish completely green for the most part in most environments and with all the photos that I'll be able to show. And then have another book where there's another 50 purple. And there's even more to it. There's like reds and other shades and things like that, that I don't want to get it too, too complex and complicated. But yeah, I'm really excited to be able to basically show off what a, my journey through cannabis and experiencing all those varieties. I've used every one of the 50 that's in the book. So I might not have grown them, but I've talked to people and uh, seen people online that have grown them. And I'm able to give a good representation of what I feel about that plant. And within that, I even like give a forewarning in the book that like, you know, some of this information may not be accurate. And if you feel it's not accurate, reach out to me. We could put out a version two of this book we can update it because as more stuff is getting legal, more and more people are coming out of the woodwork. So for the stuff that the breeder is unknown, if he comes out and says like, here's my documentation of me breeding that strain and here's my lineage of everything, then I'd be more than happy to give credit to that person. But um, it's going to be a fun and interesting process. I have been enjoying it so far. So ain't nothing has stopped me yet. I can't wait to, I can't wait to to read it and see what you do, Jack. And, it's like we said you said earlier about you know spicing things up to keep it interesting. It's a very important part of growing. It's it's easy to become robotic, especially if you're growing for medicine, med, medical reasons, and you need X amount. I, I've been growing for all for a little while, and I need X amount. I have to I have to grow more than what I would if I was just smoking it. And I've sort of become robotic in what I'm doing. So I want to play with some breeding, and like if, if your way of enjoying it is sharing that knowledge and what you do with these podcasts like Spartan and that, it's 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 cool, man. It's cool, and a lot of people benefit from it. I mean, I said it with Spartan and I'm saying it sitting with you. I've learned a lot just sitting with you for what we've been sat here for an hour and 40 minutes, I think. And, you know, it's mad. It's mad. And every grower is like that. I could say something that might make the, 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 you know, the person has been growing for 40 years think like you did when you went into their environments when you were younger and they listened to you at 14 of what you was reading and it worked because Jim had a really good analogy of this and it's really prevalent over here. We're like islands. So forums have their individual forums or growing communities or just two people that know each other that grow will do things completely differently. And it works. It gets to the same result as the person doing it completely differently that way. And that's the beauty of what's happening in the world social media is we're all able to share what we're doing now and learn from it. And I, I appreciate you being on me because I've learned a lot of satire and, it, and it's uh, cool, man. It's, it's mutual because I actually learn from you guys, whether you believe that or not. I follow 7,500 people on Instagram because that's the cap. It won't let me follow anymore because they think it's like a spam page or whatever. But about 7,000 of them are home growers and yeah. maybe like a few hundred are commercial operations. And then there's some lighting producers and nutrient companies and things like that. But uh, I, I've learned a lot from the brand new grower all the way to the person who's been growing for 40 years, both what to do and what not to do. And I think you can always learn something from somebody. Oh, That's why I love coming on these shows because even if it's just to find out what you are all interested in, that's something. Cannabis is going to be international sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. It's moving towards legalization more and more every single day. We've got like 33 states legal in the US. 12 more were voting for legalization before they deemed it essential during the, corona, the outbreak pandemic. Mm. So with that being said, now people are being told this is essential and like, people in that industry get to go to work still. I think of those 12 states, I'd be surprised if a large majority didn't vote yes, yeah. especially now because they had to delay the voting because of the pandemic. 
But whenever the voting comes back around, I think it's going to be not just 33. It's going to be closer to that 45, like if all of them went positive. And that means there's only five states that don't have some sort of legal medical or recreational program. And then with that being said, once it goes federal, we're going to start having import-export. And we're going to be dealing with people, not just in the U.S., not just in California, in my locality. I'll be able to interact with people all over the world perfectly legally as it should be, I think. And with seeds right now, there's already sort of loopholes, so we can kind of do that sort of sharing. And some people saying, God, it's just being ballsy, you know, Mm. overseas, and Mm. they've made it happen. So it's an awesome community, and I love coming on here because I learn just as much as you guys do sometimes. So it's, it's a really beautiful experience and back and forth because what you guys are interested in matters because you've used cannabis for a long time. You're passionate about it. There's a reason for it. And you have probably certain medical ailments that it helps you with. And uh, I'm curious what to turn it back around on you. I'm sure all the listeners here already have heard about your guys, but what would you say your main uh, reason for using cannabis is and what varieties have helped you the most? Over the years for me, I'd say the main reason was I, I, being younger. I, obviously, I think a lot of kids, it was fun. But as you say, there's probably more to it. I didn't realize it. But sleep, sleep was the main reason that I smoked cannabis. I, I returned to smoking cannabis. And then the prices were like, what? I'm going to start growing it myself. You know, I ain't paying like £250 an ounce. So it was sleep. And, and I, I stuck with indica dominant. But like GMO said earlier, I wasn't working with the same strains. But I realized that I spent like probably five years just targeting indica dominant plants that i could take over the limit to just put me out at the end of the night so that was the main reason i mean that, that, that i returned to smoking cannabis and, and ended up growing and i'm so glad that i did because obviously what we do now um yeah mainly for sleep and, and probably probably relaxation as well because my brain's brain's a bit of an overthinking brain at times and that's why i don't sleep so yeah, indica dominant. Was that indica dominant? I mean, ex, the Exodus cheese was the one that I ended up settling on, and that's not really an indica dominant plant. Um, but yeah, mainly Afghan Kushes are that we sort of like to grow, and anything from that sort of region that would that would knock me out at the end of the night. So yeah, nice. that's uh, some good stuff for sure. I'm a big fan of the cheeses, um, and it's cool that you guys are more kind of local to where it all originated. The um, one question I had about the cheese to follow up before we ask GMO his uh, main reasons for using and what benefit him the most uh, with the Exodus cheese. Have you ever tried any seeds from Big Buddha seeds? Because I hear whenever people are looking for cheese, a lot of people have really liked the Big Buddha seeds, but some people that have the cut don't think it stacks up. And I'm curious what you think. I've not tried the Big Buddha. Um, I have tried the Greenhouse and I've, I'm lucky enough to have it. The cut that I have is from the original, but obviously over the years, it's not the same as what it once was. But I've, I'm lucky to have the original Luton. And the closest that I've seen in structure, smell, taste, and stone uh, effect to it was the greenhouse seeds, Exodus cheese. But it didn't yield anywhere near as much. The Luton cheese, cheese is not a big yielder, but the Luton, that's, uh, that's my highest yielding plant ever. Highest yielding grows anyway. Um, but as far as effects go, it's just some people say like blue cheese is a bit stronger but for me of all the cheeses it does just zonk you out i mean it's instant body instant your mind your mind just slows down and you just your body just sinks and i mean within minutes i'm like that with that and i've smoked a lot of heavy indica strains or what we would class as indica obviously we know that's not really the term to use anymore but what we would class as old school growers as indica dominant heavy hitting strains. I've smoked a lot. Nothing's come close to it. 
I think it's the terpene profile. I, I read a few of the Leafly articles, and granted, they're not perfect, but some of them are really interesting, like the Cush profile. They nail down like it's beta caryophylline and uh, humulene and myrcene, and they like show it in this circle where there's spikes going to each terpene with like how much of it there is, and they show a few different Cush things. And like this is what makes the Cush profile, or this is what makes the Jack profile. And they do like J1 versus Jack Herrera versus XJ13, and all these things that have Jack in it. And they show how there are some, they're mostly similar, but there's some small differences, even in the amounts of the main five or seven or however many that are showed in the wheel. But then, like I talked about earlier, I think it really matters what those minor ones, maybe flavonoids, uh, minor cannabinoids, esters, ketones, aldehydes, and things like that. Because what you were just talking about, the blue cheese maybe works for some people, but the Exodus cheese or whatever worked best for you. And I had that exact same experience a lot of time with like my book. If it was Jack Herrera, it worked really great for me almost all the time. Boosted creativity, uh, picked yeah. me up. I, I just really enjoyed the high. It was usually pretty potent and got me where I needed to go. But like almost all the crosses other than J1, which is Jack Herrera's skunk number one, didn't do it for me. If it was like uh, XJ13 or one of the other Jack crosses, Blackjack, um, there's a bunch of different ones that get grown around here. And like there was actually a delivery service that showed up before I was growing my own and I had to like send them back. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like I ordered Jack Carrere <laughs> and this has happened and I've three or four times had where they showed up with a Jack cross. I'm like, ah, fuck it. I've got the money. You've got the medicine or whatever. I'll try it. See if it works. It'll be something to add to my notes. But I was just disappointed all three times. And it's like, at, after that point, it's, especially if you're buying it, having it delivered, the price is a lot more than I am comfortable to be paying for, especially if it's not exactly what I want. Mm. So, uh, Definitely a Jack snob being Jack Greenstock, right? That's it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that is definitely a thing, being able to, uh, your body just cues in on, for some reason, that one works best for you. And uh, yeah. GMO, what's that thing that works best for you? Is it GMO? Because I'm actually yeah. doing a few GMO crosses. Uh, I've gone with GMO. I'm, I've always been seeking the GMO cross. Like It came up, uh, well, I'm kind of new to the online community and I didn't know about it until after I went with the name but um yeah it, it's on my hit list but it's like you were saying with cuts earlier there's some strains that I don't think that it's worth me chasing a seed company to try and hit the cut that I know is the real thing basically um but I, I'm kind of a broad spectrum user really um I I've got quite a overactive brain so I just use cannabis all day every day pretty much um Again, I, I go for the more heavy, heavier THC strains because I find that I can still be mentally active and physically sedate, if that makes sense, to kind of float around a bit nicer. But I, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I have any leading strains that help particular ailments. Like, uh, I'm not one to. <laughs> it, it sounds kind of I don't know, big-headed, but I, I don't like to sound like the victim so i, I don't know they're, they're terms i don't nothing like wrong with to that, apply man. to hey, myself nothing wrong with that i think that there's something about cannabis in general i would imagine most of it's like type one i think they call it high thc low cbd and mostly terpene and uh even if it's a different profile you're getting probably between 20 and 30 percent thc with most modern varieties with a handful of terpenes between like one and eight percent depending on how well it was grown and um most of those things work for a lot of people that are just general cannabis users. That's why like some people to them, cannabis is just cannabis or weed is just weed. 
um, and they don't care about the name because oftentimes they're let down by it or they don't have access to choosing a bunch of different stuff. So they just get used to trying. And that's how I started off. You just get used to trying a whole bunch of different stuff. And sometimes it works really well for you. And sometimes it's not so good, but you that's like it, it generally I'll, anyway. I'll have keepers and I'll have strains I'll move past because they don't work for how I want to smoke because I'm, I'm looking to not sedate myself, but slow down that, but the pace in general. Like I can feel myself going to 100 miles an hour if I'm not smoking the right thing. But there's a really broad range of what I can go for. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fortunate in that respect. But then I'm going to show I'll, the chat what I'm fiddling with. This is a blue Yeti Yeti microphone, but I've got a little... Uh, so I was looking at the beanie on it, yeah. I thought, what's he it's to there? prevent the P's and B's from popping. It's a pop filter without having to... Uh, buy a pop filter and it fits on there a lot easier and I don't have to like clip. I actually had a pop filter for a little bit and it was annoying to use and this actually works a lot better but sometimes I like fiddle around with the mute button and I like can't see the light whether or not I'm hitting it to unmute and mute but uh, hey man, we were just talking about terpenes. The, the beard will be long enough soon that you won't need the pop filter. Would <laughs> you say about terpenes? It's something that I read when I was researching them. Um, they, they affect as, you, as you've said, they affect the way that the, the THC would cross the blood brain barrier, I believe, was what I read. One of them, um, limonene does, and I think beta caryophyllene actually activates the CB2 receptor, which is the like uh, CBD receptor. So it acts really actively as a good anti inflammatory and like calming agent. Yeah. It's mad to think that, you know, that, so if you'd said that 10 years ago, I mean, it would have been, it would have it was heads, but. The things that are causing the flavors, aromas, and smells actually have ways on the effect that you get stoned, which is quite mad. And you think well, aromatherapy, man, that's where I found a lot of yeah. my research. I used to work for a delivery service, organic. Uh, they'd source a lot of organic flour and they grew some of their own as well. But um, this was during Prop 215 when you could just open a delivery service out of your house and it was actually illegal to do if you filled out a certain few forms. But with that being said, uh, damn, what was I just talking about? What, what, what did you just talk about? about um, the fact that the different terpenes can affect um, the the way you get high, the way that it crosses. Oh, yeah. So I pulled a lot of research from aromatherapy because I had to write articles about the terpenes to basically explain them to people as like a patient education. Let them know that, hey, it's not just about THC. There are actually things in there. And like when I first heard this, I'm from like, I was raised Catholic and I'm not since uh, in like a church anymore or anything like that. But they're like taught to like not believe in like false idols and all this shit and make you kind of skeptical. But um, going back to the terpenes, I thought a lot of the like aromatherapy was like woo woo bullshit science. And then I actually hopped on Google scholar for myself and looked up white papers where they're like, Holy shit, they're using this in hospitals and it's lowering infection rates. They're using this in Japan and getting people off of their depressants. Uh, or antidepressant medication, and they're fixing their depression with like limonene, for example, as one. Uh, linalool has been used in sleep aid products for years and years from lavender, but it's also found in cannabis. So there's a lot of like real research that was done legally because so many of these terpenes are produced in lots of other plants and they have benefits, but when combined with THC, CBD, and minor flavonoids and other cannabinoids and all the good stuff that's in ca cannabis and might only be found in cannabis, like uh, canaflavin A and canaflavin B, one of those is 40 times more potent than aspirin as a pain reliever, which is amazing. I mean, yeah. that makes sense where all these people, if you look at like uh, Peter Tosh wrote a song 
that was performed by uh, another reggae artist, um, Pato Bantan. And it's called Legalize It. And he lists off so many medical benefits. And the song came out in like 2000. I'm like, this was 20 years ago. Yeah. And uh, he lists off all these, like for rheumatoid arthritis, for people with asthma, glaucoma, and all these things that are now being proven by science and the medical thing. And we still have it labeled as a schedule one drug that says it has no medical benefit while yeah. the government has a patent for uh, neuroprotectant properties with cannabis. And they also have an FDA approved drug, Epidiolex, which is cannabis sourced, cannabis derived CBD. So it's really funny or ironic, not funny. It's actually unfortunate that our government has not come far enough along to see that this plant definitely has medical benefit and uh, they should regulate it that way. But right now I think they're playing some really messed up political games with people's lives because big pharma and big prison unions, unfortunately. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the, the, the problem is, is, is well, pharmaceutical companies, you know, money talks. I don't, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy nut or nothing like that, but money talks. Why would the, a, a massive multi-billion pound or dollar a year company want you growing your medicine in a cupboard for 15 pound a week, electric, and that's it? When they can be sending you a tablet that they're making three pound on each tablet and they're producing millions of them a year, billions of them a year. And that tablet makes you need another tablet because exactly. that tablet starts giving you a headache and then that tablet makes you not pee right and that tablet makes you constipated. So then now you're taking five, six, seven, eight different medications. When you talk to people yeah. who are on cannabis, how many of them are saying, oh, actually all I use is cannabis. It got me off of all my pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I'll I'm not saying that that's the perfect times. thing to do, but for a lot of people, yeah. that's what happens. It's just I'm using delivery food a lot more. I'm, I'm <laughs> using a lot more food. That's the biggest problem. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a help for that. Humulene is a terpene found in hops. Uh, humulus plant, humulene. That's that hoppy smell. That's uh, being used in products out here in California that they call like skinny weed and shit like that and THCV. Wow, man. Uh, I believe it, man. Like, uh, we had a thread of some strains that would help with that, that people were using pre-workout and things that would they found were concentration boosting, but also kind of helped them maybe burn some fat if, if and maybe. Like, no proven If nothing stuff. else, motivation, lower pain. I, I like to use it before the first time I ever used cannabis before a basketball game in high school, I was like more of a defensive player and like guy would pass the ball a lot because I just didn't have confidence in my shot. It sort of took away the anxiety of like being afraid to like shoot and like fuck up and like ruin it for the team. And even if I was wide open, sometimes I'd pass it to somebody else when I could have shot it and scored some points. I went from scoring like between like two and eight points, two to eight points a game to like the first time I ever smoked. And the reason I did it is every Saturday morning, me and my buddy would smoke, and I'd always do really well on the Saturday morning practice. So I was like, fuck it, we're going to try this before game. Went on a route, he rolled up a joint in his little <laughs> roller, and I scored 22 points that game. So most I'd ever scored right, by a long shot. And it was like, mm -hmm. to me, it showed me cannabis. Not only is it a medicine, it can be a performance-enhancing drug. And I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but like there are surfers out there, they say, oh, I surf better when I'm high. It like slows yeah. things down. It gets me in the... It gets you in the flow state a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. Certain cannabis can get you there. Pinene, for example, alpha pinene, not beta pinene, but alpha pinene can actually help people overcome that memory loss that is associated with cannabis because anandamide, uh, the chemical in your brain that is responsible for making you forget stuff like if you're a fry cook and somebody says no pickles, double cheese on that burger, you don't want to remember that your whole life. You have to be able to forget certain stuff. But yeah. if you have too much cannabis with high THC and it makes that anandamide float around too long and you say, where are my keys? And they're like, where they always are like where's my sunglasses when they're on your head or like where's my phone it's like in your pocket or like you actually legitimately misplace it sometimes You're like what the fuck like cannabis is making me forgetful well if you had more pinene it would actually counteract that because pinene has 
not only memory properties, um, but it also is a bronchiodilator. So it opens up your lungs and makes you get more oxygen. And I think if you're bringing in more oxygen, it's like I've done yoga before. When you do breathing exercises, you feel it in your body. You operate better as a person. It's like you're bringing in more air. It's just like the plant. When there's a little bit of CO2, you give this plant CO2 is what it takes up. It can perform under hotter conditions, under more lighting and yield higher than it would if it didn't have those. That's mad. I love that stuff though, man. That's like, it's the fountain of information. It's kind of like the key to unlocking human health has been locked behind a door. But I I, I like to think of it as a hundred year blip because how long has cannabis been illegal? Like, and in the future, like a thousand years from now, they're going to look and be like, why why did they do that for that period? That was just stupid. Like, surely, yeah, I, I find it so amusing. Money and racism, unfortunately, in the U.S. If you look at Harry Anslinger, I won't even quote what he said, but it's so racist. And he was the guy who was directing the war against cannabis in the early days. For those who don't know, cannabis wasn't even made illegal in the U.S. until 1970. But in the 1930s, they did the Cannabis Stamp Act, which made it say you have to buy these stamps to sell cannabis. And anybody who did that essentially was like turning themselves in because it was illegal to grow cannabis at the time uh, because that act. And what ended up happening is I think it was Dennis Leary or Timothy Leary, one of those guys. Uh, He in 1969 fought that in court and said, hey, this is like a violation of my Fifth Amendment right, which says like I can plead the fifth, which means in the United States, you don't have to answer questions that would potentially um, make you get prosecuted in a court setting. You can remain silent so that way you don't admit to breaking the law. Well, by buying those stamps, the only way to legally cultivate was to admit that you're breaking the law and so there's some like loophole and he actually won and then 1970 i think it was nixon they made the uh controlled substance act which is where cannabis was placed into schedule one this is a quick history but the reason they even used the word marijuana in the 1930s is because uh, harry anslinger at least believed and and some other racist people of that time that it made people of color uh, mainly african-american and hispanic people want to have relations with white people and that wasn't deemed appropriate at the time so they made a lot of racist um, propaganda and also they had the reefer madness campaign which is just completely ridiculous almost comically ridiculous uh, if i you still know have about the dvd cannabis. it's a it's a brilliant film if you want to watch it and giggle that's the only thing it's really worth because it's such garbage that uh but it, it went around at the time and a lot of people still have the stigma in their head to this day in red states and red, red countries because the United States exports their culture. And part of that was when they made it illegal, a lot of other countries, UN enforced it across a bunch of different things. So it really had a rolling impact across the entire world. And like you said, they're going to look back at this blip and say, why the hell did they do that? But then they're going to be like, well, a few racists and a few people that probably, I mean, I think people in the police unions, things like that, and not unions, even lobbies, I should say, people that are going and giving politicians money and telling them you should make this kind of law or you shouldn't legalize cannabis because that's going to mean the prisons are going to be empty and you're going to have all these bad people roaming the streets or whatever, or however they think about it. Like you're going to have all these people out of a job that are not able to be prison guards anymore or be able to be police officers anymore. It's like, really, they actually used to focus on like solving murders and stuff. And they yeah. used to do it like 95% rate. And now the murder solve rate in like certain cities like Chicago is like down to like 30%. And uh, that's because the war on drugs is a lot more profitable 
if you bust somebody who's growing weed, who's really a soft target, they have a lot of money usually and a lot of property that can be seized and sold yeah. for the police department. That makes them a bunch of money. A husband kills his wife or if a serial killer kills a few people, they catch them, they put them in jail. Okay, there's safety. But what money do they make off of it? They it spend the money. money. Spend yeah. a ton of money researching, yeah. running DNA analysis, uh, detectives, which are a lot more expensive than beat cops and, and SWAT teams and things like that. One SWAT thing can gain them millions of dollars for their department where if they solve 50 murders, it might not get them. It might put them millions in the hole. So yeah. unfortunately it makes sense if you follow the money, like it's not a conspiracy thing at all. Yeah. These departments have to operate on a budget. And unfortunately cannabis has, uh, because it's illegal, high profit margins and soft targets, really peaceful people. They'd rather bust. Most cannabis growers don't even have firearms. So they're really, really easy to get raided and they're not a big threat, but some of them do. And then they, say oh look we confiscated these guns and we took a bad guy off the street it's like they hold him up as a martyr yeah it's a a terrible catch-22 that yeah you get the some people who think they need to protect themselves from the police but i mean it it's not on a similar line but i have a relation who's recently decided they want to join the police force and my immediate knee-jerk reaction was why don't you just walk the streets and kind of justify peace that way like i don't see a badge making it more easier for you to facilitate that job it almost made me disregard them a little bit more which i felt bad about like it wasn't a, a right a lot of them abuse power i mean some people i hate to say it they got bullied in high school and they're not smart enough maybe or can't afford going to a college or a university whatever you want to call it and that's an option for them is to go into law enforcement and maybe they get that uniform. I mean, if you've seen the Stanford prison experiment, long story short, they took even Ivy League, really highly educated university students. And if you put them in the position and say, all right, you're the guard, all right, you're the prisoner, they start to immediately abuse their power as the guards and the prisoners fall in line as prisoners. And they just, uh, it's a weird sort of human nature when you set up those institutions. And I think what really needs to be focused on more for other drugs, because I don't think cannabis is a huge problem, but a lot of people in prison in the U.S. are in drugs or are in there because of drug addiction. And maybe they had to steal to afford their addiction. Maybe it's because the drug costs so much because it's illegal, et cetera. But um, for whatever reason, those people are in there because they're hooked on a drug. And if we focused on like actually rehabilitating those people, getting them like therapy and helping them, I think a lot of those people could be positive members of society. Like homeboys, they do a lot of work with uh, – gang members in LA they're like a tortilla company they do like tortilla chips and they've expanded to a whole bunch of other stuff but they hire ex-gang members out of prison to give them an opportunity and I think uh, there should be more opportunities for maybe people that are victims of the war on drugs cannabis specifically because I mean there's so much evidence that it's a medical benefit if you look up granny storm crow there's a woman in California who wants to remain anonymous but she's posted like 900 plus medical white papers that cannabis is shown to be medical for Things like IBS, uh, migraines, uh, pretty much anything you can think of. I know it makes it sound like a miracle plant, but like certain elements of cannabis, because it's such a diverse and broad plant, can treat such a wide variety of symptoms because it can produce, like I've shown on my page and my shared stories, a ton of different chemicals from artificial cherry flavoring to artificial grape flavoring to pineapple flavoring. And it's not just like, smells a little like it it is the exact same chemical and there's analysis that i post from uh like lab extractions that show it's produced in both 
So it, it's very fascinating what the plant is capable of. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I mean, but you articulate it so much nicer that it's the key to unlocking our health. Like, yeah, it, it's possible of creating so many chemicals that we look to as healing properties, and they're all available in this potential like fountain. Like, it's, it is a miracle plant. I, I shan't dumb it, dumb it down. They ask if I could uh, talk a little bit about Murder Mountain. I have heard of it. Yes. I watched the documentary. I've been up to Humboldt. I've never been to Murder Mountain myself, but uh, it's unfortunate because the most missing people in California are in Humboldt County, both probably dead and missing. Uh, I think there are literally people like that are trim prisoners. Like They get told they're going to come up there and trim, and then they get held hostage, basically, and forced to trim or get killed. And there's like a bunch of cars that are scrapped on the side of the road, and people are probably just buried in unmarked graves. It's unfortunate that that's part of the industry, but that part of California, for those who don't know, there's more private owned land than public owned land, which is the only county in all of California that's like that. And there's a lot of people that moved up there for the back to the land movement. Uh, and they're really good people and just wanted to grow their own food and got into cannabis because it was a way to keep affording whatever. But there are some people that went up there because land was really cheap once upon a time. And some people just want to live out in the woods and sort of be alone and they might have their own negative intentions and reasons for that. And they prey on some of these people that they know are coming, trying to get involved in the cannabis industry because they see these people get dropped off on a Greyhound or whatever. And they've got like the Rasta look going and they say, Oh, Hey, I've got a farm come trim for me, blah, blah, blah. And it could be just like a straight up sexual predator. You don't know. <laughs> like, and a lot of the places your cell phones don't work. And that's a huge issue. People assume that their cell phone works everywhere else in California so well. Well, you get up on that mountain, no reception. I mean, you're as good as gone. So you really have to trust anybody you're going up into those places with and be careful. I, I don't want to make the cannabis industry look too negative because I think there's a lot more of the opposite end of that happening where there's people like donating, giving away medicine for free, helping each other out and uh, spreading love and, and really making the community aspect of this what it is a community where there are a few bad apples that I don't think necessarily spoiled a bunch for me. I think we all just sort of uh, turn our backs to those people and keep them outside of our circle, keep our circle tight yeah. and keep it with the people that actually care about the plant and each other and, and show that love and aren't just here to make a quick buck and scam people or, or mistreat people. Like it's all about supporting the ones that show they actually have good intent. This is the thing you, I've often said, you have to play to the 1%. You have, to, you have to play to them. You know, they're, they're, they're the, they're, that's what gives groups of any nature a bad name. And unfortunately, you know, you, you do, you're going to get that. And, and that's just going to give... Uh, you said earlier about like, the Reagan generation. The old, older generation over here is the one that's still... It's just a drug. There's no medicine. And you say, well, it does this. And they say, well, no, it's, it's just an excuse to take drugs. But, but it, it, it's... Um, I'm trying to fault now. But, um, My yeah, parents, play man. to that 1%. My parents are that way. My mm. dad grew up a lot of, uh, you know, he partied a lot in college and had like a sugar shack. And a lot of people around him smoked, got lazy, kind of were burnouts. They weren't successful in their life. So that's what he saw. He assumed everybody else that smoked yep. weed is going to be a lazy burnout. And then uh, my mom, she, her roommate grew it in their windowsill in college. And <laughs> she was all paranoid the first time that she um, smoked. She thought they went on some bus ride for some school trip. And she thought the cops were going to pull her over and arrest her. So she only allegedly use it one time 
and uh, was scared to for the rest of her life. So she thinks it's sort of this like crazy drug too. So for a long time, they knew I used it and I would sort of just be like, don't ask, don't tell with them about it. And it, if they came around, I'd like put the bongs away and like, you know, hide some of my shit. But at this point I have so much stuff and like I'm growing it now and I'm actually like, it's paying some of my bills and it's a part of my income and I'm going to have a really nice job lined up here in a little bit with it yeah. that uh, could put me into a whole nother sort of uh, financial stability label yeah. area. You know, I, like I said, even my personal business, I charge really, really low rates because I have low overhead where I live and I do that on purpose because I don't like to like tax the people that I work for because they have special needs kids. They are paying a bunch of money for a bunch of other stuff. I like mm. to keep fair prices for good quality service. And like same with cannabis, I'm not trying to like milk this dude who's got a beautiful facility. Like he's giving me the opportunity to grow. I just want to make money to get by and have a nice place for me and my wife. Mm. And uh, I'm not in it for make a bunch. But when I came out to my parents and mainly for them, I just had to tell them, uh, and came out, I mean, as a grower, not like uh, anything with sexuality, because I know that always gets the connotation. <laughs> but I just told him maybe a week or two ago, because uh, it's finally to the point now where it's supported me enough. I know everything I'm doing is 100% legal. And yeah. that's what they're worried about, mainly, is the legality. They don't want me to end up in jail, which I completely understand and respect. And uh, also that it's lucrative, or it's, it's, it's a way to support myself more so than I would just working away grinding hours at work because I could raise my rates and make more money that way for my families that I work for but I would rather help people that have the money and are willing to pay for it do little video calls on Instagram and like I work with a company out of Canada uh, an LP and you know they're going to pay more than a home grower I just said like hey throw out your suggested rate and if it's within my range I'll say yes and sure enough it was higher than anybody else was paying but I have people paying me less and I'm more than happy to take it. I just uh, can't give away my time for free because I have too many other things I want to do in life. I'm writing books. <laughs> I'm working with families and breeding and trying to keep busy. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Ayurvedic medicine or healing or anything like that. But there's this theory that there's like three types of people like vatas, pittas, and kaphas. And like the vata mind is like air or like the wind. It's like kind of spacey and like bouncing off the wall. Like I think it sounds like GMOs sort of on that and a little bit uh -huh. like myself, at least mentally, but there's like, even they break it down to like different body types, but I'm like a tri doshic. It's called your dosha type. And uh, I'm a mix of all three, but I think my mind is definitely Vata. And the fact that if I worked on one project, I'd never finish it. If I was just working on yeah, one yeah. book, I would never finish it, but I'm working on like three or four different books and a few different projects all at one time, because I'll do a little bit here, a little bit there. When I'm inspired to do it, I put in a ton of work on it, but if I'm not inspired, I'm not going to work on it. So I won't get it done. So I have to have a lot of things going at once to get any one of them done. And that just like is how I work. That's not how everyone works. Some people would never get anything done if they did that. Yeah. So I suggest everybody find how you work, your own body, not what Hell, you were taught in school or yeah, what people man. tell you. Uh, uh, yeah, it's back to that. Like you're a bit of my spirit animal and you keep beating me to stuff, I'd say. Like uh, I'm reading a lot of the, the Vedas and the yeah, Apanashas. Uh, yeah, I'm not good at pronouncing stuff. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can draw from it that helps you find your own personal flow. I, I'm, a, I'm the same. I need a shotgun effect. I need to start a lot of projects at once so that once I'm annoyed at this thing, I have another project to distract myself and find my calm. And then I can go back to the thing that was challenging me. But if I stop, then I kind of stagnate. And I don't like being stagnant. I need to keep that forward momentum rolling. Uh, so, yeah, dude, uh, 
I'm fully on par with exactly what you were saying. I was going to say, that's growing 420. <laughs> they said, we've we we got so many things going on, I think, and everyone's doing different things on the team to try and help the players. Exactly. That's almost like the forum sort of mindset. We have, we have we've got so many things going on, and it keeps it fresh, and it keeps everyone busy, working hard. So, yeah. Um, I'm but, from Ohio, and there's a lot of hunters, and they say there's more than one way to skin a deer, and that's because everybody sort of does it their own way. You might get taught by your dad or your uncle or a friend, but you find what works for them and then you adjust it a little bit to work for yourself. And then you see somebody else, you go hunting with them and you're like, Holy shit, you can do that. They're like, yeah, that's how I always do it. How do you do it? And then like, wait, I think I'm going to start doing it that way. And then you hunt with more and more people and you're like, damn, there's a lot of ways to do this. And we're all ending up with meat in our freezer and we all get yeah. to eat. Same thing with cannabis, drying, curing, growing. There's a bunch of different methods, a bunch of different styles. But at the end of the day, we all end up with flour or hash or some sort of concentrate yeah. to consume. Whether it's there's, oil or smoke. Sometimes there's that elephant plant. in the room, man, as well. And it takes fresh eyes who haven't been doing it for 20 years to go, why are you doing that? For you to really question, hang on, why am I doing that? And you, you go back to the fundamentals and you, you can either scratch something or prove why you're doing it. And that's where I love forums and new people coming and talking to different people from all over the place. Because, yeah, them elephants in the room, they're... They take corners off and they save you time and uh, they get you up to the next level. Right? Someone in chat, uh, Little Green says, how do you feel about the Cali light laws in 2023? The way that this year has been going, man, I know it sounds a little grim. I got married on 420 this year and we had to sort of cancel, <clears throat> not sort of, our venue pulled out on us. We still got married anyway. We found a little spot near the beach. And uh, we had an officiant who was a friend and we had a few witnesses who were friends and we kept it underneath the amount that we're allowed to meet in a single spot or whatever. But uh, we're trying to do like a next year, like in April again, like a redo of the wedding, I guess, where like the family can come. And I'm not even sure if that's going to be possible yet. So I, I'm just taking it like one day, one week at a time. I don't look into any of these legislations. I, I might, um, now that you brought it up, I'll probably look into it. When I hear about something, I usually will glance over it and give it a, a read and see, like, do I think this is even possible to pass? Because a lot of the stuff is, like, overly ambitious, and sometimes people just won't get behind it, unfortunately. Um, if it sounds too good to be true, I usually am like, uh, I hope it goes through, and I'll support it if it gets on a ballot, but, and I'll sign whatever signature I have to or whatever. Or if it's bad, I'll try and oppose it. But um, 2023, that's just way too far in the future for me right now with the <laughs> current state of affairs with the rioting and the pandemic. I uh, am just really happy that I'm considered an essential worker, both in my job where I work with special needs kids and also uh, when I do get into the growing, but I'm also able to work from home, which is a luxury that not a lot of people have. Like this is sort of like brand development, I guess. So when I have a book and people Google my name and all these shows come up, they look back and they can listen to all this stuff and say, oh, I'm interested in this guy or he's not interesting and they can choose whether or not they want to support me. But coming on a show like this sort of uh, gets my name out there in a different community. And I'm really mm -hmm. thankful to all of you for that because I know my following is like 73% in the U.S. And I'd imagine much, much greater percentage of yours is in uh, the U.K. and uh, other places around the world. And it's really cool to get exposed to all these different people because I love talking to anybody. If you grow even a single plant in the closet, like some of those people are my favorite that I respect the most. Like one plant, one closet, one light, that's all they got. And like, I just, I love seeing those people because. Uh, Make it work, don't they? 
Yeah, man, they, they make it. Like it's what works for them. And yeah. everybody's got their own. Like some people have some really cool little training techniques and mechanisms and devices. And like sometimes it's you don't need it and you don't need to buy it. But it's cool to know that it's out there. And there's so many different things that I never would have found had I not gone on to the Instagram and online growing communities. This is just what I've always said, and I said it earlier. It, it, it's, we, everyone, you said it, but the, 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 everyone's skinning, uh, skinning the deer. We say skinning cat as um, it's more skinning cat as K bag said, but you look at me. cats here, man. I can't say that. They're, they're <laughs> beautiful. Like my mum's a cat person them. as well. I like my dogs, but it's, it, it's all doing the same thing, but all doing it very differently. And that's what I love about this. Whether it's a job, a hobby, a, a medical side, whatever it is, we're all doing it. We're all ending up with something at the end of it. And that something may be the best to you, but not to someone else. Or it's mad. I love I love it. I love it. There's no set science. One of you it. guys said it really well. And it might have been, I think it was either one of you, but it could have been one of the other uh, growing with my fellow lads. But they're like, man, we all enjoy each other's smoke. But at the end of the day, when you get home, everybody's looking forward to smoking their own shit. You know, yeah, it's like we yeah, all like our it, stuff man. the most, I think, secretly yeah. at least. That's it. The way that I cure mine is the way that I like it. But mine might be the way that someone else likes it. And the way that I, I just said harvesting times. I've said it many times. I know someone on the forum that will purposely harvest very early to get a real trippy, heady high. I can't stand that. I, I'm, I'm going for the opposite reason. I want to be put asleep. So I, I'll go two weeks over. But if you take the same strain and one harvest at week eight, and one harvest at week 12, it can be completely different. But it's how you prefer it, you know? So... That's what I love about the plant, man. There's no rule book, and yeah, I get so frustrated. That's why I'm excited at... about the herbs now, honestly, because I'm a... Oh, shit. My, my connection is unstable. Can you all hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just go in light speed sometimes, but you're all good, man. Carry on. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're but cool. What I was going to say is the herbs now, one thing I'm excited about, and like I said, I'm not paid by them. I got the shit for free, and I haven't used it yet. But one thing I have seen other people do that I'm excited to try is I'm going to take down a branch at week seven, at week eight and at week nine and at week 10 and see which one I like it most. And granted, it won't be exact, perfect science or whatever, but it's close enough, I think. Yeah. And that's an option that I don't have as a hang drying in my one tent that I grow in uh, guy. So it's like, that's, that's a really cool option that I didn't have before. So if I do want to grow it again, I have a cut waiting. I'm like, well, I liked it at week eight. So I don't have to grow it 10 weeks then. You could yeah. save yourself two weeks and get yourself a few more harvests per year. Or if you like it at week 10, fuck it. You just fucking bite the bullet. Grow it 10 weeks because that's where you like it the most. But some people do like it that headier high. And I saw a guy who, uh, shout out to Sour Diesel Tangy. Somebody called him out and they're like, dude, you're harvesting too early. He's like, no, I, I actually tried it. And when I harvested it later, it was too sedative and I don't want that effect. So yeah, I yeah. have to take this one a little earlier while it might even still have some white hairs, uh, pistol, stigma, whatever you want to call them. It might look not ready to you, but I smoked it and it was too heavy earlier. And when I took it early, I loved it. So that's when I'm going to take it. I'm like, hell yeah, dude, stick up for what you believe. That's what works for you. If I could do it that way. And you're saving yourself time. If uh, you prefer the heady strains and you really, really do. Uh, for me, they're just a little short lived. Unfortunately, I think the highs are shorter lived where if you grow it eight, nine, 10 weeks uh, proper, I think that you get those longer, like three, maybe four hour effects if you have a really potent one. Yeah, I've got uh, this Disco Biscuit I quite like to take at a range of stages because you can get a very floaty, trippy, uh, almost giddy. Or uh, like, you know, I don't, I don't drink really anymore, but when you've had half a pint and you're merry, that's how the, it the vibe it gives you when it's taken early enough. 
but take it later and it can really hit your joints and put you in a nice fuzz if that makes sense like cotton wool wrapped so i can definitely see the different uh value in taking it at a different time yeah i really like what you jack said about taking it you've, got the, you've it, got the tools to do it you can take it it's six, home seven, science eight, man home science is hands-on science what what it, it do, it's not devalued because you it's done at home at all because that's real hands-on feedback Numbers only mean so much. They still need interpretation. I call it citizen science because some people are actually able to do, I mean, if you look at like psychedelics, what Shulgin did in his lab was every bit as scientific as chemists can do in their labs. And people at home, if they make a bay where they can control temperature, relative humidity, and light, they can do pretty damn good side-by-sides. Like Migro or Migro, he's shown some really good setups and how to do side-by-side testing with pretty scientific results, like having parameters and things like that. And I think that if you really want to get into it, that's a, a fun way to do it. And even if it's not perfect, like you said, even with the herbs now, it wouldn't be a perfect scientific thing, but you're doing it for your own anecdotal result, which is going to work for you. But most of science actually comes from anecdote. The reason people get hypotheses that become theories and become, you know, like the science of the day is Here because somebody stumbled upon it or they had some anecdotal experience. So they're like, I wonder if I test this, if it will consistently show that and then oh shit maybe it does like with drought stressing i heard lavender with drought stress produces more terpenes linalool linalool is found in cannabis so i was like i'm gonna drought stress my uh cannabis late flower and i've been doing it for years and years and i got great results from it just like one good drought latent latent flower really terpy bud sure enough canada university of guelph uh, they have a root zone management drought stressing in flower they did cocoa where they did one like perfectly watered control as they tried to keep it at the proper conditions or whatever, all the way through. Same clone where they did, uh, it was a nine week cultivar. They drought stressed it until the leaves drooped to like a 45 degree angle where it was like almost where it looks like it's gonna die, but like just like drooping leaves. When they did that, it increased the cannabinoids, it increased the terpenes, and it also increased the dry flower yield. That was the only one that wasn't significant. The dry flower yield went up like a little bit, but the percentage of terpenes and cannabinoids was much much higher and so something that i found anecdotally through a lavender growing because france had that region in the mediterranean where it drought stressed late in their flower and they had the most expensive lavender because it had the highest terpenes best for the essential oils so that carried over into cannabis and some people called me crazy for a while they're like dude that's stupid you shouldn't drought stress your plant it's gonna look like shit it's gonna droop this and that well <laughs> there's a uh, scientific lab data now that sort of stands behind and supports what I sort of just had a hunch and went for it and got lucky. That's again, what I love about modern science and the old school growing methods. Uh, we spend a lot of time focusing on how we can do it better, but I think we should change our focus on what we were doing right and why it was right and how the corners can be cut. If that makes sense. Right. We, we know HID light or, um, double-ended hbs was the gold standard for the spectrum it was giving out like so now we're trying to match reverse engineer to match that i think that's the way we it's should just got a bunch it. of light too it put out a decent amount of light it also put out a lot of heat that's where the leds now they're replacing the thousand watts or whatever with less wattage because the, they put out more light per watt but i think if you did a thousand watt led versus a thousand watt hps you just need either more space to use that thousand watts of led and spread it out because it's all about getting, I think, uh, even uh, PPFD spread. Where the HPS gets a big hotspot, 
and people learned how to manage it and run the room at the proper temperatures and could produce really awesome, frosty, amazing nugs. And even with like high salt levels, like they run their EC way higher than it's needed. I think that high EC, my theory now is that that actually leads to a drought stress because when the plant has so much salt, it's not able to take up water. And Dr. MJ explained that to me pretty well. And um, when you have that EC really high during flower for most of the time, and then they do a big flush at the end, lower it back down to like the proper EC range as well. It's going through the senescence and the fade. You can actually get really high THC and high terpene cannabis with those methods. And I think that's why it worked for so many people for so long is the plant adapted and, and survived through the stress. And not only did it survive, but it thrived. If you look at hot peppers, hot peppers actually score higher on the Scoville scale if you allow them to drought stress or have a number of different stresses. So you want a spicier pepper, you can't live it, let it live a perfectly ideal life. You keep beating me to points I'm going to make, dude. Like, we, yeah, we should just we should just let you rant for like four, <laughs> four hours, dude. Like, you don't need us here to prompt you to say anything. Like, you're beating me to everything. Well done. Right, we just said that. Just connected dots. I mean, I remember talking to one of the sponsors about um, the fact that he said that the best green is, is he had tasted the smoke had come out of uh, from Spain and it was under LED, and because of that, they were able to put a, a high intensity of light they were able to put more nutrients for it but then what you just said there makes perfect sense down to the basics and the fact that they're stressing the plant out because it's actually going through a drought phase or drought stressing and that just makes so much that's what i'm saying this is what i love about these podcasts or just talking to people that just now in my head is now the way it works because you're stressing the plant and as i've always said the, what we are trying to get from the plant is is a protection. It is protecting itself. The resin, the THC, it all comes from that side of it. So now in my head, that's just sold the idea that that's exactly what's happening with these LED lights, putting more uh, the higher feeds from. It's nice I've we come full circle to the start of the show as well because that's kind of what yeah. we're going into, like the early stresses and how they, how will it plants yeah, perform better for them stresses? It just changed how I've been preaching about what I think is happening with LED. <laughs> In well, LED so has, to <laughs> I think it has a slightly better spectrum because if you look at HPS, like, you know how they have like little things, they always cut off 805 and beyond. At 805, it's a giant spike. About 40 to 45% of the light is 805 nanometer, which might sound weird or random to you guys, but for perspective, 700 to 799 is considered far red. That will make things stretch. You see these 730 pucks, 740 pucks, 730, 40 diodes used for far red. They use that for the Emerson effect. It can also be used to put plants to sleep and wake them up. But it has to be comboed with 660 for the Emerson effect and be run during the day cycle. So there are benefits to reds, which are used in LEDs. HPS and even CMH put out some spikes at 805. 805 is 800 and beyond is infrared heat. There's absolutely no light that can be recognized by the plant. It's just a heat lamp. Like they use them for restaurants to heat up food sometimes. So it's purely putting heat. 55% of it's putting out PAR or even BPAR. Uh, I think it's called biologically plant active radiation. So that considers UV and far red, unlike PAR, which is just 400 to 700 nanometers, which is like a pretty solid spectrum where the plants do take up most of their light. But there is things like UVA, UVB, and uh, far red, which trigger mechanisms in the plant and also encourage growth that weren't previously recognized. But 805 and beyond is not part of that. So that's why HPS yeah. has so much heat. And uh, with that being said, going back to the LED, 
when you have that proper spectrum and everything's kicking, even under like a blurple where like red and blue are some of the most efficient uptake points. And that's why a lot of people pushed them. It made the plant want to take up so much nutrient because it's trying to fulfill a certain role because it's yeah. getting a certain amount of light, PPFD and the spectrum. Spectrum is actually less important. Uh, I've been finding out, I mean, it'll affect the shape of the plant, but as far as the yield goes, uh, terpenes it also impacts like 440 nanometer blue will make more terpene production. I added that into my 3,500K cobs, but the uh, it's similar to like UVA, uh, those far blues, but um, the, the CELL, Controlled Environment Lighting Lab, did studies where they did every single different spectrum. And as long as they had the proper PPFD, which is like for cannabis, like 500 to 1,000, if you don't have CO2, if you do have 800 uh, PPM, CO2, you can go up to about 1,500 PPFD and still have good results. But with that said, no matter what the spectrum was, red, green, blue, purple, yellow, whatever the fuck they threw at it, almost all of them had the exact same yield. If kept at the same PPFD environment was all the same too, same cutting, et cetera. So it's interesting to think about, but morphology of the plant will change with color. Like blue brings out more purple. 440 nanometer blue in particular, I added that to my light and you can always see the plants that are underneath it. One, it creates cell uh, can, like compaction. So it makes the plant less stretchy, but two, it makes more anthocyanin production. Anthocyanin is a flavonoid, which is responsible for turning not only cannabis, but also kale and a bunch of other different plants purple. And it's like a sunscreen for the plant, but it's also an anti-inflammatory if you eat it as a human, like I have arthritis in my hands breaking on my fingers. And I find that the purple plants, those profiles tend to have high humulene and beta caryophyllene, which are also used in a lot of like arthritis pain medications and things like that. So it's Shit, definitely dude. a purple medication is uh, there's something behind that. You, you mentioned, well, uh, earlier I I kind of brushed over myself being a wreck user, but I find colored plants do help with my hand ache, as I refer to it, more than plants that don't color. They're just real yeah again you've connected dots for me it's just mad interesting i connected that dot to myself it was a forum cut girl scout cookie people love to hate on it it yields like shit and it can hurt me but it's beautiful when it's grown right it goes almost black and it's so frosty and it's got a similar smell every single time because there's a dude named always be flowering who passed out a cut of the girl scout cookies because it was really expensive back then he's like fuck it i paid for it i'm gonna pass it out to everybody on the forums now so that forum cut girl scout cookie comes from uh, i think it was ic mag or something like that but always be flowering past it all around. So all these dispensaries in California actually have that same cut. And when they were doing terpene tests like five or 10 years ago when they started, I noticed a lot of them had that really high beta carolophylline and uh, humulene, as well as a good amount of THC. And a lot of people are like, oh, THC is not great for arthritis. But for me, it's the only thing I found that works. CBD does not help me or CBC, CBG don't help me near as much. But that forum cut Girl Scout cookie and a lot of its crosses completely crush my hand pain and cramps and things like that. So it's definitely a, uh, cool when you can make these sort of breadcrumbs turn into a story and yeah, yeah. that story is like your bill of health in a sense like oh shit i don't have hand pain anymore so now i can actually write i can actually mm -hmm. type and do like a lot more uh, activity that i wasn't able to do so it's good stuff yeah, on the cannabis man like it it's literally the fountain of health like find, find the right niche for your ailment that, that's the thing. There's not going to be a, a single strain that cures everything. And I think it's difficult for people to establish that cannabis is such a wide spectrum. 
like you say, 220 plus flavonoids it can produce, let alone all the like active compounds. Terpenes are need. in the 200 plus. I think flavonoids is a, a handful so far, but there could be hundreds. I, I don't know. I only know a handful of them, but terpenes definitely have hundreds. So just to say active compounds would be well over 300 mark. Like it, It's a fountain of where we could find a lot of different niches, but you're not going to find necessarily the one plant to fix your ailment in the first try. And I suppose it's definitely worth noting for home growers that it's, you've got to find what works best for you and trying is going to be the best way. Right. I suppose it goes back to the exo that Keno yeah. mentioned earlier. If that works, if that's what works for you personally, it zonked me too much to want to have to grow it again. Right. I was growing for that specific reason. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. It, it, it fit you perfectly. It's something Jack said earlier, and that's about, um, I can't remember who it was about when you can't, there's not much writing. Now, over here, you have, if you don't grow your own, you have to take what your dealer's got, and that will change all the time. So you could get, you could find a real heady high, and it will be gone a week later for something that glues you to the floor. So that's why it's, it's cheesy, but that's why grow your own, go and do it. You know, go, go, go out and find what works for you. That, that's, that's why i started growing even here like i there's a strain called deadhead og and they sell it cali connection seeds sells it still and i just haven't hunted it because like i said i got my cherry pie which is my sleepy strain it's a little mm -hmm. bit better flavor the deadhead og is like a i think it's a chem 91 crossed with sfb og and i went to a dispensary that had been open for a while and i got an eighth of it or a gram of it i would try back in the day i'd do like a gram or an eighth of like their best indica their best sativa and their best hybrid and that's how it was like marketed or labeled or whatever not to say that it's perfect, but it allowed me to try a bunch of different varieties. And in doing that, I tried that Deadhead OG. And I first time I used it, within 15 minutes, passed out in bed, sleeping. And I have really bad insomnia. So I was like, oh, my God, this stuff is amazing. Went back. I bought all two ounces that they had. Because, like, you're allowed to buy, like, up to, like, eight ounces or something at the time. Bought them out. That never came back again. I asked them. I was like, who's the grower? Like, where can I get this from? And, like, no one knew. Like, they didn't have any information for me. So like if I couldn't, if I didn't find the cherry pie, I would do like a hunt for that deadhead OG to find something sleepy because like that's amazing medication for me. And now that I've got that cherry pie, like I hold it very near and dear and I've handed it out to people that also uh, hold it close and tight because not because I don't want them to share it, but because I know they enjoy it. They're going to keep it around in case mine has an issue at any point. I can get a nice healthy cut back from somebody who also enjoys it for that reason. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. But um, just look at the time, Jack. I know that you have only got 22 minutes until you've got to be elsewhere, I think, haven't you? So I think we will uh, start wrapping down. Don't want to keep you when you've got yeah, to be we, elsewhere. We've got to leave space for part two as well, man. Like, at least when your books, your first book's ready to go, we've got to have you back on for a launch of that, man. Yeah, I'd love to come back on when it's ready. Help you in any way we can if you whatever you need with the book is anything we can do for you. I mean, I, I, um, it's like talking to Spartan. It's amazing. You know, with you guys, you can physically live and breathe it over there and work. Your life can be surrounded by it, unlike over here. It's just, you know, a completely different mindset, I think. And you're a lot more open. Even us and we, what we do, we have to be a lot more, we have to be very guarded in what we do. And I think that that's, that, that, that's what the, the UK and US scene is, is different at the moment. 
because it's been a pleasure totally. listening to you, man. You're more like pleasure. our red states, if anything, and those people don't really open up and say, oh, I'm from a red state, and I'm going to share where I'm from. Yes. It's more in the shadows, like even your artwork. I, I love whoever does your artwork. Shout out to them, because some of the Mama advertisements for the shows are so amazing. Mm. The Mama B, she does, she does really, really good artwork. we got a great community, man. Like, mm. this is another thing about weed. It brings people together that wouldn't normally rub shoulders, and you get to meet some unique people that you'd you wouldn't always sign on to their philosophy until you're all smoking behind a keyboard. And it's like, wow, actually we can agree on so much that nobody's bad. If that makes sense. Everyone's just got their own way of looking at life. And the people that are acting bad, they usually have their own issues that they're dealing with and uh, often need help or something, you know, they, they just can't figure it out on their own or they're just in a bad, bad place. So I try not to ever come from a place of judgment, even if somebody's doing something I disagree with or don't like, I try to yeah. reflect and think, why are they doing that? And then have compassion and, and be a kinder person because eye for an eye leaves the world blind, tit for tat, doesn't really work out well. I think if you lift everybody up, rising tide raises all the ships, you know? So we can all rise together. There's plenty of space for everyone to be successful within these communities. We just gotta not be greedy. And uh, with that said, you can definitely find your place and, and have success, whatever that means to you. It's different for everybody. And I don't think uh, people should be so concerned about the money or, or the riches or anything like that. Just follow what you love, whether it's cannabis or something else. Uh, this community really uh, embraces that a lot. And I want to thank you all for having me. Thank you to your chat. Uh, live chat. It's been a fun time. K-Bag, Alchemister, Little Green, uh, Gushin. I might have mispronounced that one. But thank you all for tuning in. We call really him G3. You. It, it's a bit difficult Three. to pronounce g3 <laughs> all right but yeah again it, it's the community spirit all these guys they they they'll lay into us in on the forum afterwards for not actually talking enough weed and just being fanboys too much but yeah it, it's definitely been a massive privilege to speak to you and thanks very much for taking the time out of your busy busy old schedule yeah, man. hey man i uh am happy to stop by and shout out to my buddy also jack for the kush lime that i've been ripping on the second half of the show we were talking a little bit about the different terpene profiles and i love lime and i also love cushy profiles and when they come out this is more of a lime heavy a little cush on the back end but it's a nice uplifting uh pain relieving just relaxing at the same time that it uplifts you overall awesome flower and I, I appreciate anybody who grows it well and puts the passion that he and a few other people that i get it from locally uh grow it like that so shout out to them they're like off the grid so no one will ever get to try that stuff but yeah man uh, thank you all for having me this has been at jack greenstock on instagram and cannabis you can find me on twitter at jack underscore greenstock the books the first one will be out hopefully by christmas time uh that's the goal maybe even by thanksgiving at the rate that i'm knocking out pages been really enjoying the process and uh it's, it's just a fun process and i really enjoy all of you and, and thank you so much for having me cool man no, it's, it's good. i can't wait to see what you do with these books and thank you for coming on definitely check jack out um and grow with our fellow uh, growers as well jack's on there a lot that's a real good place we obviously we go on there sometimes and yeah i think that that's it everyone stay safe please check jack out and um yeah fair play and jack yeah. you got the buttons my friend Oh yeah! Oh no! Keno is host now. I'm host but, now, Jack. So it's Shanty Growers, and we'll see you all on the board soon. Yeah, everyone, take care, man.